This is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. Today is Friday, October 2nd, 2020. Because of my circumstances, since our property was flooded last week, for the entire week, actually for about 10 days, I just didn't have time to prepare a podcast for this evening. I still have a thousand chores to do. Everything is okay. It's just a big mess. We, um, what we weren't going, I wasn't going to offer a podcast at all, and, and I just couldn't do that. I had to skip one week, two weeks ago, and I had this idea for an open forum, and thank you all for being here. I appreciate that. I know this is short notice. I just announced it early this morning. My last open forum, Christagenia, was here on TeamSpeak in April of 2000, 2012, so it's been over eight years now. Um, the old open forums I thought were productive. They ran for about 26 months from February of 2010. Um, in April of 2012, I felt that they got stale, they ran their course, they were, it, even though sometimes 40 people would be in this room, there were only one or two people that wanted to talk, and it was the same one or two people every week. So, I pulled the plug on it, and I started Christianity Saturday. So, after eight and a half years, here we are. Now, I know that there are some new people here that haven't been to this music server before. Their microphones are disabled. If your microphone is disabled, next to your name, you see that little microphone with a little circle and a line through it? That's your hardware. I have no control over that. If I disable your microphone, it will show up on the right-hand side. But if your microphone is disabled on the left-hand column, left of your name in the channel listing, that's on you. I can't. Um, I, I can't guess what your hardware setup is. So I, I I'm sorry. Maybe we could work that out. If this evening we have what, what I think is a productive forum, perhaps I'll do this. Five or six times a year. I, I wouldn't promise it more than that, but I, I think five or six times a year might be nice. Hello, everyone. I, I don't know who has anything to say first, who wants to speak first. I, I, Christian Soldier, David, Don, Eric, Theodor, Hans, JD Murphy, Joe, Edwin, and Pound. Welcome, everybody. Hey, Thank you. Hello, Joe. There are some names that I, I'm disappointed aren't here, but that's okay. Like I said, it was short notice. It's early in the day, too. It's earlier than usual that they would be here. And I'd just like to say first, you know, you guys be on your best behavior. No racism, no extremism, no talking about putting kikes in ovens. Looking at Mark Warpen. Hey, I'm trying to, um, you know better my ways and uh, I don't want to get in trouble with you. No gas and juice today at least. Well, not 
think we just ran his course. And nothing yeah. else matters. On that best on day. That. So, so, why don't we just start the, uh, the island on the day? From the last COVID-19, apparently. Every day for us, something new. Open mind for a different view. Yeah, they did, you know, a few days. And nothing else matters. And now it's just... Test such a small amount of virus. I understand. You know, you can get a false positive, positive very easily. So, is it a political, a political stunt? I don't know. It doesn't really mean anything. So, do you have a fan blowing? So, do you have a fan blowing in the background? There's a lot of background noise. All right, all right. Yeah, I'll turn it off. You know, I'm in Australia here. Yeah, turn that industrial. Wink, wink. Yep. You're in Australia, but I'm in the real tropics. I'm in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, I hope you can still hear me a little bit. What do we have? Don, you might have an awful lot to answer to, to offer in, in a forum like this. You've been around Christian identity an awful long time. Yeah. A lot for I want to kind of start out as was... A good day today getting to talk with Eric. I got a compadre here in Minnesota, and we're not all that far apart, actually. Only probably 30 miles, if that. So that's kind of nice. I hope we get to know each other better. So that was a very nice thing. I'm very appreciative. Yahweh blessed us that way. Well, well good. That's great. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to... Um rag on you i sent you an email last year maybe you didn't get it maybe you forgot about it but eric had contacted me looking for ci people in minnesota last year he's the guy yes sir okay <laughs> yeah i got the impression yeah he was had been around but i never knew it i mean jasmiel is from minnesota and there's a gal from uh uh, Northern Minnesota. I think her name is Kim, but I've only seen her on here the one time. Well, I don't know Kim, and and I didn't know Jasmine was from Minnesota. Yep. And Eric, headphones are a good idea here, but if you use the push to talk feature to activate your microphone, then you could live without headphones. Hey, Bill, I have something to ask you, or at least. Um present and see what you think of it. Sure. 
Okay, so you know when you read about race and uh, the difference between the black brain and the white brain and their prefrontal cortex is much smaller, like up to three and a half ounces roughly. And uh, they don't seem to have the ability to think or understand abstract notions or concepts, among other things. Yeah, like budget. Yeah. Time. And I was thinking out. that, I mean, because uh, the white race is really the only pure race, Arabs have the same problem because they have so much black blood in them. Their prefrontal cortex must be um, significantly smaller as well. So I was thinking that Yahweh made us with the physiology to actually understand his word. What do you think of that? Well, well yeah, I believe that's true. I, I mean, the other races I've observed, black and Mexican and Hispanic, quote-unquote, Christians all my life, that none of them understood Christianity. Even the basic Christianity that I understood before I learned Christian identity, none of them understood that that they didn't understand the blessings and rewards that come with being a good boy, that come with basic obedience to the commandments versus the punishments, that they form God in their own image. And, and it's really a God of the gratification of lusts and desires. It's like Mexicans. It's like Mexicans idolize the virgin with the baby She's a virgin, but she has a baby. That's what they're idolizing. And it, it's, a, it's usually depicted as a young white virgin. And when you take the young white virgin out of Roman Catholicism, all the Mexicans would leave the church. There would be nothing for them but that object of lust. That they'd go to a strip bar on Sunday instead or whatever. Or go rape some young white girl. They actually worship that young white virgin. Well, I've seen a documentary on Chinese Christians, so-called, and they have a bunch of talismans, and they believe that these talismans bring them good luck and fortune in business and things like that. And this Chinese, this chink was saying that, oh, and this cross I have is the most powerful talisman in my collection. So that's all it means to them, is it's just another idol, one of their superstitions, because all the non-white religions are superstitions, like voodoo. They're all the same. And that might well, be... I'm sorry. Back, um, back in 2016, I wrote in, in um, uh, the Christian Identity Objective, I wrote that the Negro takes the image of Christ, remodels it in his own image, and destroys everything it touches in his name. The Oriental takes up the image of Christ and adds it to his collection of mystical talismans, imagining that it, it is just one more tool in the arsenal of idols that will help him to gratify his lusts along with shark fins and tiger penises. The Mexican takes up the image of Christ, but only as a child, and then worships the young virgin instead, yearning for the fulfillment of its own beastly impulses. That, that's true. I, I mean, I believe that to this very day, and, and it's very observable in, in modern culture and history. Well, well, I did see that in a documentary, too. It was like an interview with Chinese Christians. So, and it has to be the fruit of their godless nature. They can't, how can they know God? It, it would have to be the fruit of that. 
and also their physiology, like David S. mentioned. You know, um, their, their, the structure of their brain, they're, they're poor at um, perceiving abstract concepts like time and future planning, but they're also poor at controlling um, their urges. What's that called? Gratification. Delayed gratification is what the white race has mastered, is that they can delay gratification Whereas the non-white races can't do that. They can't control themselves and they act like a beast. Look at those Arabs that, you know, rape and kill their daughters and the niggers that rape and kill, you know, their own family members. Yeah, the Arabs are much more likely to rape their sons than their daughters. Mm. Or a goat, you know? Like, how... <laughs> They can live with the consequences too. You know, where's the conscience? Their sons, their goats, their sheep. No shame. No shame. Adam was a ruddy man. He could become ashamed. They don't have shame. They can't blush. No, they probably can't. I mean, I'm, I try to remember back in, in my worldly relationships from long before I learned CI, and I knew very few Arabs anyway. I did work with a Jordanian on a project once for a company that I worked for. Um, I, I never really got involved with them at a personal level to understand them, right? I, I mean, I never wanted to. So can Arabs feel shame? I, I know Negroes don't feel shame. They feel only disappointment not because of, of their um, punishment for what they did, but only because they got caught. And, and that, that, that sentiment I observed in like 100,000 Negroes o over 25 years. So, <laughs> at least. I know my place of employment where I worked for 29 years. I worked around a lot of Asian and Black and Indian, but not so much Indian, but uh, Asian and Black. And... After working with them for quite a few years, my uh, take on them in a simple term was they're takers, not givers. Whatever they can squeeze out of something, that's what they do. They don't put anything back. Amen. Amen. Yeah, well, that natural love that we have for each other, the brotherly love would be devoid in these, these races. There is no love in them. How can there be? Well, do you know what I find funny is these niggers. They're the ones that, you know, always call each other brother, sister, you know, the sisterhood, the brotherhood. But it's really the whites that are only the ones that have any true brotherhood or sisterhood. Yet we don't treat each other uh, like brothers or sisters on the whole, you know, categorically. Yeah, you know something, if you observe niggers up close and personal for a long period of time, they'll see that they constantly compliment one another because they think they could get something out of one another. So they, they, they lavish each other with compliments and it, it's only to ingratiate them because they think they're gonna get some reward for it. Well, Jews have a common brotherhood in a sense, but it's not like, you know, we might be lost sheep, you know, we might be all lost at the moment, our people, but the Jews in their brotherhood are just a criminal syndicate, you know, trying to help each other you know, fleece the Goyim. That's all their relationship is, is a company of thieves and evildoers. 
they're united in evil in their evil plans. I've seen Negroes um, smother unseemly, overweight, ugly white women with compliments just to try to get a piece of them, just to try to get their attention and, and hope to get a date just because it's a white woman. And they'll settle for any white woman over any black woman, if I should call them women. But we have a few new people here. I don't know if they have questions or, or I, I mean, some of them came here specifically for this open forum. They've never been here before. So maybe we should give them a chance. Eric, can, when... I, just, can I just ask if my mic's working with you? Joe, I hear you pretty good, Joe. I hear you well, Joe. It's just that you still have that little fuzzy background noise. That's all. I, I mean, it's fine. I don't know what that is now. Maybe my computer fan. Well, when you listen to yourself on a recording, you'll find it. You'll hear it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I won't need to listen to this. <laughs> Eric, Linda, what do you got for us? What's on your mind? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Well, actually, I do have something on my mind. And as I'm starting to learn about CI, I'm starting to try and figure out where to fit in the study time for this. And I, I'm real curious how other people fit in biblical study into their life. Like, when do you do it when you got all this incredible sort of responsibilities and stuff? And, and also, what do you focus on? It just seems like there's so much. Like, there's language studies, there's Greek, there's Hebrew, there's Latin, there's ancient history there's you know you could there's different there's bill stuff there's compare's stuff that you know it's like there's so much where are people focusing the limited time that they have to to learn biblical studies i can't answer that i can't answer that so the gentleman in the forum will have to step up and answer that i think you know time management is a big thing right I mean, if you do like one podcast a day or every other day, that'd be fine. But or if you like to read, whatever. Um, but uh, so other than Bible basics, starting at the beginning and then Revelation starting at the end or kind of doing them. I think like I, I, I was mentioning to you the other night, I think you uh, you did the uh, Revelation series. Mm -hmm. You might want to just concentrate on the New Testament. Right. And you can go down and uh, look at Bill's work on the New Testament. I find that that's usually, I mean, for me, anyhow, it was like, it was much easier to uh, comprehend because emphasis in um, the emphasis in most of the denominational churches is the New Testament these days. So at least I had a, a better understanding of that to begin with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's my suggestion. Yeah. You know, I would agree with that because if you learn the New Testament, then you learn the New Testament. You'll understand the Old Testament a lot easier. Yeah. Because the apostles in Christ are helping us understand the Old Testament. And when you can see covenant theology in the New Testament, then you go back to the Old Testament and it's very clear. <laughs> the Old Testament is a little bit more difficult. Uh -huh. Well, also, you know, we've got the mind of Christ where the Apostle Paul would say that. And. And plus, you know, Jesus came to reveal secrets that were kept from the foundation. So with an understanding of the gospel, you can definitely understand the beginnings of the foundation. Mm 
You know, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, uh, I joined Christagenia, what, two years ago? And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't get a, like, you know, birthday card, anniversary gift, and nothing for it. But that's another discussion. But I've been here about two years. And there's just so much. Will, Christ will either come back or, you know, the power grid will fail before we can actually just catch up with Bill's work. Forget everybody else. Yeah. Just go, Bill has so much content. Um, that it's just impossible. But what I've found is helpful is going through the Bible basics, which is great. The hundred proofs that he's working on with uh, Truth Vids is also phenomenal, and that ties into you know the Bible basics because it's really all about history, right? Uh, Bill's books, you know, the Malachi, Revelations, um, his books are also helpful. I would focus on those. That that's my two cents. <laughs> And 100 proofs is not something you drink. <laughs> <laughs> and part of my curiosity was what other people do. Like at this stage in your, your journey, what, what are you reading? What are you, how are you learning about scripture? Well, one thing, I always read scripture every day out of my Bible. And I always seek Yahweh in prayer. And he always leads, he always leads my path for me because I, you know, if I lean to my own understanding and try to make plans with what I'm going to do each day, I screw it up, right? So I let him direct my path, but I stick to the word every day. I pray every day, and every day I learn something new. Linda, it sounds like you've got a lawnmower or a vacuum cleaner in the background, so you might not want to, um, you know, speak when someone else is speaking because then the lawnmower or the vacuum cleaner interrupts oh, i'm not aware of noise in the background um, no joe you have more background noise than she does i do understand really, really? <laughs> i do uh, understand I, you'll have to listen to the recording i swear i do understand that linda has some background noise but yours is actually louder I'm not lying. <laughs> I tried to fix it. I tried to fix it. Is my background noise normally like this? Do you know what's funny? What's really funny is I don't hear the background noise on Joe's end that Bill is hearing. Um, yeah, me neither. But I, but I do hear the background noise uh, that Linda has. Uh, who knows what it is? You know, well, it, I, it, could be the fan. it could be the fan in my laptop. That's oh, really yeah, that's possible. Like. Well, let's get a forum going. Damn it! Screw the background noise. I'm sorry. Well, what? I was listening. You know, I've been listening to the hundred proofs, and something that stuck out to me, you know, it it's a constructive criticism is that you and um, Truthvids keep mentioning that um, the apostles came out of Judaism, and the thing is that there's there's a number of ways to think about that concept like there's the old testament hebrew religion which was covenant theology you know god made the promises to abraham and then just before the time of christ there's this pharisaical religion which includes edomites and all the others trash and then christ comes and he restores the old religion and so it's really a restoration. These apostles actually come back to their original religion. And so, and then some people might connect when you say Judaism, they might connect that to the false religion that the Jews practice today, which 
No, it's not even based on the Bible. So there's like two Judaisms, there's a Hebrew religion, and then there's Christianity. And really, Christianity and the old Hebrew religion are the same thing because the Messiah is promised in the Old Testament. But then the religion these Jews practice, where they swing chickens around their head and all that sort of nonsense, that, that's, that's not based on the Bible, and it has no connection to what the um, apostles came out of, you know, the temples that they came out of. And so I, I think, you know, you could define that better when you say, oh, the apostles came out of Judaism. We, we could explain that better to people who don't understand all that. I thought chicken twirling was in, like, Leviticus chapter 43. I don't know. Which verse? Which verse is it? <laughs> 43, eh? I don't know about that. I don't know about that because <laughs> I've got a I've got a forum post up at the moment which explains that you can't offer chickens on the altar of God because there's two birds that you can offer on the altar of God and neither of them are chickens. So it's, I don't think it's in there, Bill. Yeah, yeah, turtle doves and... Um, well, the chicken verse must be along in the same chapter where the sucking the baby's dick verse is found. I imagine. That's, that's Leviticus chapter forty-one. My point is, Joe, that my my point is that there's only twenty-seven chapters in Leviticus, right? Come on, <laughs> he's oh, testing. Well, who, he's testing. Who knows? They're he's back testing well. me. He got me. <laughs> oh, I guess the uh, the angel's not going to come to save you this time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a smartass. That that's the way I was born. <laughs> I love this story. Better than a dumbass. <laughs> that the um I, I don't know joe you're right I, I mean i don't remember explicitly saying that the apostles came out of judaism but judaism was the prevailing religion at the time it was a corruption of the hebrew old testament religion that that's very clear if i don't have a context in which to mention that i, I really won't mention it right but I, i'm sure I'm sure I've explained it in a hundred other places, and and I can't possibly get all of my attitudes and opinions into one podcast or even into a series. Yeah, and but would you connect the thing you know what you know modern Judaism? Would you connect that to what you mean when you say what the apostles? Because that's two different religions too. Yeah, modern Judaism. Modern Judaism. You know, I'm sure. Even the Pharisee, even the Edomite Pharisees and high priests were not sucking baby dicks, I'm sure. And I'm sure they were not twirling chickens. I'm sure. These that these other perversions and corruptions, I, I'm not saying they were good. They were good people. They weren't. That they, they were criminals in many respects. Christ spells it all out. But but these later perversions and corruptions. Are, are things that the Jews picked up along the way. Who knows from where? Who knows where they got chicken twirling from? It, it sounds to me like that they, they visited some frigging tribe in the Congo. And, yeah, and or whatever they had on hand uh, Who knows where the hell they got that from? It, you're, you're right, it's not in the Bible, but I don't see it. I don't see that concept anywhere in, in ancient literature that I've read. Right, but Bill, would you uh, consider that Judaism really began around the time of Hyrcanus or the first century BC? 
It it seems it it seems that that's true. It may have been a little earlier. What when Josephus describes the time of Hyrcanus, he he makes a remark that at that time there were sects called the Sadducees and the Pharisees, right? So those sects already existed by the time of Hyrcanus, but there must have been um, competing political ideologies within the religious culture in Jerusalem, even before the time of Hyrcanus, for those sects to have already existed. Now, it, it's my opinion. I can't prove this. I, I'll never be able to prove it because we don't have any real explanation for the development of those sects. We can only conjecture it's probably better off not to conjecture, but the word Pharisee does mean separatist. So sometimes I think, and this is conjecture, that perhaps the original Pharisees were against the conversion of the Edomites and other tribes, right? Because that word really does mean separatist. That might be how they started out. It's not how they were in the time of Christ. At the time of Christ, they were making all sorts of proselytes as Christ himself testifies. But there had to be a reason that there was a political party in the middle of the second century BC that took that name. That reminds me of uh, all the conservative parties that we have now in our white nations and how originally or earlier in time they were against or they were for segregation and so forth. And now they're like, you know, they're, they're totally uh, right on board with the program of uh, miscegenation and everything else. Well, well, right, that's true. They all form as conservatives to defend what's already the system as, as it is currently, and they make concession after concession after concession, concession uh, until they've made so many concessions that they are actually supporting what they should have been against in the first place or, or what they intended to be against in the first place. And, and that's today's conservatives. That's absolutely true. Although it is it is worth mentioning that the Republican Party in the United States of America was always a Reconstructionist party, for the record. Well, well, the Republican Party was, yes. They were only ever fiscal conservatives. They were never conservatives in any true sense. I agree with that. That, that was the party of Lincoln. The Democratic Party was the, the, the good party that was the racist party that, that stood for, for white people. And, and the Republican Party was always... The, the, um, the Universalist Party it was always the party of the businessmen who, who want Reconstruction, who, who want the supposed or, or um, imagined financial benefits of having all people be the same and having everybody have equal rights. And, and that's what international corporations want. That's why they, that they're all in favor of a borderless world. Yeah, and if you if you go back into the, uh, the the like 150 years ago and look at the political propaganda in America specifically, uh, it's a little bit backwards here than it worked everywhere else. But you'll you'll find you'll you'll find Republican like political propaganda that says essentially, do you want to be rich? Are you tired of being poor? Vote Republican. We we want everything to be fair for everyone. And the Democrats are like, do you really want niggers and Irishmen in your in your country? Come on, vote for us. Yeah, but that's why I, I said conservative, not Republican, right? Because they'll You're switch right to make that distinction. Yeah, I'm just saying that they'll make different names in different countries and at different various times and different 
centuries and decades they'll call themselves one thing or another but the point is that like my point was that anybody who can who claims to be a conservative they're basically doing the same thing that the pharisees did and it's just a, a gradual process and yeah they'll they'll switch titles yeah they've never conserved anything so i understand that the political process is generally sort of not a solution but do you all vote your local politics like your school boards and your county commissioners and people that you might know personally well i should but i don't i do uh but uh i generally don't it i occasionally cast a vote for something higher up but i do it with the understanding that it really doesn't matter i, I don't i don't vote at all i haven't voted of course since um before I went to prison. Um, I can vote in Florida if I wanted to, but I won't. I do not blame people for wanting to get involved in local politics if they feel that local politics can make an impact at their local level in their little town, that, then that's fine because that, that's, we should be involved in our own communities if the communities are, are worth getting involved in. I mean, you know, a lot of people are in whites or a minority in a lot of communities, and, and it's better that you move the hell out before you vote, or or, or you're never really going to make a difference voting. Um, it, if you feel that you can make an impact on your neighbors, on your white neighbors, and maybe perchance lead somebody to some truth, that then yeah, you should get involved in local politics if you can. And, and vote locally, that's fine. But state and national politics are, are, are basically in the pockets of, of big business and, and the Jews that print the money for us. They're, they're never yeah. going to be a solution for us. I mean, you might, you might use local politics to help try to educate some of your local people and to, to help um, Steer your local community in a better direction, but that's about the extent of it. Well, someone said that you know the Republican Party is about equal rights, and yet I think, well, who should have rights within a country? Should everyone have rights? Should, you know this concept of equal rights? You know, should should sodomites have a con um, rights and expect rights in a country that they're opposed to? If if you're not having no family the foundation of a nation is the family and if you're opposed to the family why should you have any rights and and do niggers you know do niggers even understand the concept of freedom do non-whites understand the concept of freedom and why the white man wants to be free and independent can women be independent or do they get their freedom from their husband you know so who should have rights in a country is it the people who built it or everyone who comes along and just demands gifts? That's a question. Right. You know, I see politics from the way the scripture tells me that where Christ said that a house divided shall be left desolate. And that's the way I see America because it's totally divided with all these rights and right to do this. And you don't have the right to do this. You can't fly a Confederate flag because it's racist. I mean, we are a divided nation. I don't see us going anywhere with politics. Uh, that's just how I feel about it. So I don't vote. Yeah, you, right. you don't yeah. have the right to raise a Confederate flag, but 
you do have the right to inject the five-year-old kid with the opposite sex's hormone to make them into a tranny. You know, so it's, we've got all these strange new rights and, and the rights that we used to have are gone. Exactly. Well, you know, being a Christian, we should seek liberty in Christ, not uh, rights by a man's vote. Right. Well, it's been said how many times? I mean, it's, it's past the point of politics. I mean, politics isn't going to do shit anymore. Yeah, um, there's actually a quote by Robert Louis Dabney uh, that was, he, he said this in 1898 that I feel is, is pretty relevant, which is, uh, it may be inferred again with the present movement for women's rights will certainly prevail from the history of its only opponent, Northern conservatism. This is a party which never conserves anything. Its history has been that it demurs to each aggression at the party and aims to save its credit by a respectable amount of growling, but always acquiesces at the last in the innovation. What was the resisted novelty of yesterday is today one of the accepted principles of conservatism. It is now conservative only in effecting to resist the next innovation, which will tomorrow be forced upon its timidity and will be succeeded by some third revolution to be denounced and then adopted in its turn. American conservatism is merely the shadow that follows radicalism as it moves forward towards perdition. It remains behind it, but never retards it and always advances near its leader. Its impotency is not hard, indeed, to explain. It is worthless because it is the conservatism of expediency only and not of sturdy principle. It intends to risk nothing serious for the sake of truth and has no idea of being guilty of the folly of martyrdom. It always, when about to enter a protest, very blandly informs the wild beast whose path it essays to stop that its bark is worse than its bite and that it only means to save its manners by enacting its decent role of resistance. The only practical purpose which it now serves in American politics is to give enough exercise to radicalism to keep it in wind and to prevent it from becoming pursy and lazy, from having nothing to whip. No doubt, after a few years, when women's suffrage shall have become an accomplished fact, conservatism will tacitly admit it into its creed, therefore after pluming itself upon its wise firmness and opposing, with similar weapons, the extreme of baby suffrage, and with that too shall have been won, it would be heard declaring the integrity of the American Constitution requires at least the refusal of suffrages to asses. There it will assume with great dignity its final position. And that was uh, that was a quote written uh, in 1898, so it's been that way for a long time. Yeah, you know, when I began to study Christian identity back, back in 1997, it, it took about three years of studying scripture to realize and, and knowing the world that because I, I'm, I'm not, well, I don't have an education, but I'm not stupid. I read the Wall Street Journal for 20 years every day faithfully. I, I understood politics. I understood the, the, the nefarious methods of politicians back then. I understood the race issues. I understood economics to a great degree. Um, I realized after about three years of studying in scripture, maybe even less, that there is no political solution, that there would never be a political solution to the position in which white Christians were being placed by the international corporations and the politicians who are subservient to them. When I got out of prison, I was appalled by identity Christians who discussed who the next president was going to be and argued uh, over the benefits or, or advantages of certain candidates 
and and they were basically seeking political solutions and they should know better so i wrote that little article there is no political solution as a reaction to that i wasn't making a statement i was reacting to what i thought was a ship of fools yeah it seems like even yeah, on, seems- the lo- on the local level nobody's going to stand a position that really matters they're not going to say we want to kick all the blacks out of the high school because they're you know downgrading our education or you know the county commissioners are not going to take stances to block hispanics from moving in or whatever so it's like it's so far i, I liked that uh, quote i think it was special it's hard for me to tell who's speaking but um, uh, yes it, it like gets so uh wishy-washy that Nobody can really take a stand that matters anymore in politics. And if anything, well, that was Robert... in the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. Is that there's, no... but anyways, that that should be a Christian principle, you know, because it's in the Bible where the governments of men are a punishment. They're a yep. curse upon us because we rejected the government of God. We rejected the law of God, and now we have these governments of men. They're a curse. They're a punishment. So that should be a Christian a sound Christian principle that everyone understands. Amen, Joe. Amen, William, because there is no political solution as far as I can tell. There never will be. And to me, it's idolatry when you should be relying on Christ or Messiah. Right. That That's exactly, yeah, it, J.D., exactly right. Because if you, if you rely on the government for your protection and to protect your rights, then you're an idolater. Just as a woman just as expects the government rather than the husband and God to protect her, you know, she she appeals to the state, she appeals to the police rather than appealing to God or to her husband and getting her protection and her rights extended to her from, the, from her husband or from God. And we should expect our rights to come from God just as the founders of the USA expected. You know, otherwise you're an idolater. Yeah. Uh, Amen. Joe, that's I mean, the way I see it. That's the way I see it. It is that's, that's the point that I tried to make. Another article I wrote when I was fresh out of prison it is Who is Your God? And I wrote that in 2000, 2009, maybe even in 2008, before I got out. Who is Your God? And, and I tried to spell that out right there, what you just said. And that was also the basis for the very last, and, and this is only a coincidence because I do want to pick up that series again, for the very last presentation in the Protocols of Satan, part 39, Who is Your God? I revived that article I had written 10 years before because it fits right in with the protocols. You're either going, either the government's going to be your God or Yahweh's going to be your God. Which is it? And if you're looking for government solutions, to your problems, to your woes. If, if you're a woman looking to um, government resolutions of a bad marriage, and you're an idolatress or an idolater, it's that simple. And, and now people are finding out how cruel their God is because this government, as their God, has been very cruel to them and has taken all their rights away. And before they liked this this government as God because the government would let them do anything. It would let them disobey the laws of our God and just get away with anything. But now they're finding that this government is very cruel. This God is very cruel. This false God. Well, who, yeah, who is it really? Obviously, who are they looking to, you know? 
I'd Sorry, what was that, Sam? Based on who we are in prophecy, who who is that that they're looking up to? You know, they're looking I mean? up to the beast. Yeah, exactly. And and all the rulers are are enemies. So their god, our god, their gods just become the enemies of God. Well, well, I'm sorry. Sorry, Bill. I'm sorry. Yeah, I gotta say this, right? Deception is very deep. It's very, very deep. It's deeper than even most identity Christians can realize it. In, in the 19th century, the Jews coming in, the, the Jews when they were emancipated even, that, that maybe in the 18th century, started to push this idea that the secular world and the religious world should be separate. And the truth is, that all law is religious. And the laws that you obey are handed down to you from your God. If you want to obey the government laws and you feel that you have to obey the government laws and follow what the government says, then you are committing idolatry. You are no longer, you are no longer obedient to the God of the Bible. In the 19th century, this idea took root in America, and in the 20th century, with the Great Depression, people just caved into this concept, and the government became their god. Yeah, and it's now everyone very wears a mask. To God's laws. Well, well, that's why churches today are marrying faggots. Yeah. And you, you actually see in the, in the ancient world that we had an understanding of that, which is one of the reasons why they would always insist that so-and-so emperor or so-and-so king was, or, the, or a chieftain was the grandchild of a god, right? Or the, or the, or the half-son of a god, right? They would, always, they would always say that because we, they had an understanding that law is religious, right? There's, you can't have a, a dictator or a ruler or a king who isn't part of a church or a leader of a church, right? Or or a church about him. They they understood that. No, no that's that, absolutely true. That that's absolutely true, Dasho. The Romans understood it. And and the ancient Babylonians understood it. That's why the kings the, the ancient Mesopotamian kings insisted on controlling the priesthood and the priesthood and the king would work together in order to keep the people obedient, the, the Romans, you had to sacrifice to Caesar. The, the, the early Christians were persecuted because they refused to sacrifice to Caesar. You had to sacrifice to Caesar. When you sacrifice to Caesar, you pledge allegiance to Caesar. Caesar becomes your God. And, and the Caesars, as I explained in my John podcast, in my John commentary, the Caesars were actually called son of God because the, the Senate would deify the Caesars. And it seems like the pagans, the neo-pagans are still caught up in that. Just taking a small shot at these neo-pagans. Well, I'm, well, I'm not... I'm not condoning what they do, but in in that regard, at least they're they're a little bit wiser than the secularists of today, because at least they do understand that law has to be religious. They've just they've just picked a wrong religion, right? They've picked they've picked something fake that was invented by 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 Freemasons and Madame Blavatsky. 
Yeah, so they and, and pick, pick something to suit themselves. Yes. Exactly. They just make up their laws. Yeah, it's it's a it's a symptom of modernity that we think of ourselves as being very very much more civilized and more intelligent and more refined than our ancestors. But the reality is, our ancestors had a better understanding of of how these things work than we did. Right? It's it's not Caesar that was backwards. It's the modern federal governments that are backwards. But well, you know what? I, I went into prison. I'm only a tenth grade. I only had 10, 10 years of high school, 10 years of school. I dropped out shortly after the 10th grade. I think I was into the 11th grade for about three or four weeks when I dropped out of school and never sat in a classroom again in my whole life and unto this day, except for the, the compulsory training that I had to have as a law enforcement officer in the early 80s. I, I had to do the academy thing and bullshit like that. But that's not really um, that's not really education, right? That's just indoctrination in, into the state apparatus. Well, well, I I read for about five or six years the the classics and things like that to educate myself, and came to all that understanding that the ancients had a much better perspective on on life and how life works than we will ever have in today with these educational systems that are basically creations of the state to keep us stupid and to indoctrinate us into the way corporations want us to behave. That's all we're getting. Yeah, education it, system sucks, man. In, in one of my protocols segments towards the end it was number 30 something i took the history curriculum at auburn university and and just mocked it it, it was terrible it didn't teach any history and and you could become a a um a, a, you could get a bachelor a bachelor's degree in history as an educator at auburn university and go teach history to high school students but you don't know any history yourself because you haven't learned any from their curriculum it's ridiculous well nowadays education if you're not a faggot then you're about as stupid as an ox yeah they want yeah. they i mean they're teaching children that it's okay to have anal sex uh it's okay to do this it's okay to be a a girl if you're a boy i mean and it's okay to you know we're all the same so we're all faggots and niggers and change for all the same so that's why my children are not ever going to be in a public school. That's why we homeschool. And, you know, with the conviction of Yahweh, there's no way I could put my children out there. And I might as well just murder my children if I put them into a public school. That's the way I see it. So politics, education, religion, it all belongs to the Jews now. And if, if we keep voting for man for a solution, then we're going to, go, we're going to keep getting punished. That's the way I see it. I mean, white Christians need to repent and turn back to Yahweh. That's the way I see it. I mean, I hope that, you know, I am a beginning with, like my children, you know, with my children uh, being homeschooled, raising them up CI, being a part of the League of the South, you know, I'm hoping I'm setting some standards here, you know, for the next generation. Hey, Amen. Hoping the same for mine. Yeah, I mean, there's no other solution but Yahweh. 
And until we wake up and quit compromising with the devil and thinking that Trump, Biden, Hillary, Obama, any of these motherfucking Jew kite motherfucking lovers, there's no way we're going to ever have a solution. I mean, about Yahweh. So, I mean, it's, it's coming on. I mean, you think about it. You got all these niggers out there protesting. Black Lives Matters, no justice, no peace. You know, what about our justice? The white people, the law. Niggers don't like law. They want to tear it down. They basically so, robbed us. And now they're demanding justice. You know, they've come to our, into our country and taken our inheritance for themselves. And now they're demanding justice. You know, get lost. Yeah. yeah, justice so they can create more crime. They want justice from the law itself. Well, so the presence in our nations is a crime in itself. Yeah, but you got and, teachers in and, public schools, Joe. You got teachers in public school making white kids, children, feel terrible about being white. I, I saw a recent article just this week that they're now teaching kids in high school, you know, young kids in high school, to race nicks. So they, they started with teaching them to be sodomites and now they're teaching them to fornicate and that's yeah. that's backed by the government and of course it is because the beast you know at the top it all trickles down from our government you know the education in schools and universities all of it yep teaching kids to fornicate now i i know they're doing the same thing in france they're probably they're doing the same thing in sweden or some of those nordic countries they, they're educating the kids hey you know race mix go for it it's yeah they, they, they do it yeah look at all the propaganda i'm sorry jd go ahead man yeah even in children's cart there for a while you know we had our tv I- I still got a TV, the Talman Vision, or whatever you want to call it. I don't worship the goddamn thing. It's a damnable thing to watch. You know, but when I was growing up, you know, like catching a hat, there was a thing called Thing One, Thing Two, and it had a white brother and a white sister. Well, on the Children's Cartoon Network now, with Catching the Hat, it's an educational program. They got a nigger that replaced her with the white girl. So they they try to normalize race mixing in children's cartoons. I mean, that's just the way it is. So if your children are watching cartoons today, they will probably end up being a race mixer if you don't put the belt on them. Go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. I really kind of think Dr. Seuss might have been a Jew. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he probably is. That's probably why a lot of the um, race and IQ science and the, you know, we have scientific studies. There's, you know, it's based in science, racial sciences to show that the race is all different. They hide all that because if people knew that, you know, niggers have a low IQ and are dumb and not good for anything, would they breed with them? So they have to hide all that. If they knew that kites were criminals inherently, would they breed with them? If they knew that chinks eat dogs and cats and don't care for their young, you know, their young can be run over, they eat their young, you know? If they, if our people knew all that, would we breed with these things? Would we breed with Satan? Right. But and so they cover it all up. It's not in academia. You can't find it, you know, out about race in academia or school. You don't. They don't teach you about what these thing, these creatures really are. 
No, but it was taught by, by British academics in the 19th century. It, it, it was taught even in America in the 19th century, the, the racial differences. Look at, um, yeah, you know, that Winchell, that, that pre-Adamites, that man was a college professor. A lot of college professors wrote racist material like that in the 19th century. And it was considered normal. There was nothing wrong with it. Nobody scoffed at it. Yeah, and then that Jew came out with anthro- with his anthropological, I can't say, it, science. You know, Boaz, was it? No, no you're talking about what's-his-face, and, and now the name has slipped me. But, but the Jews have controlled the study of anthropology ever since it began, ever since the 19th century. The Jews have taken over and anthropology. Franz Boaz it is that their... their Hero anthropologist. That must have been a revolution for him to come out, you know, and, you know, against all that had been taught before. And he comes out with this, oh, no, everybody's equal. Everybody's the same. We're all the same race, the human race. He did such thing as a human race. Franz Boas did, but the success can only be attributed to the fact that as the Jews boasted in the protocols, once we what well, once we enter into this era of democracy gold is king gold is king so even if franz boaz is the biggest fucking quack and idiot in history if if the people with the gold want to make him an expert in anthropology and the expert that everybody else must look up to they can do that because they have the gold that's the way it is. That's the way life works without God. At the turn of the century, I think even the liberals were into eugenics in this country because my great grandfather, you know, just thought it was a normal thing to want to improve our, our race. But now him being sort of a humanist, he wasn't exactly atheist, but but close to it, you know, that has moved over because of the Jewish academia now if you're a liberal humanist of course you don't believe that there's any racial difference well well that's true even woodrow wilson was in the eugenics that's absolutely true and woodrow wilson was a hero for my great-grandfather and and he was the american nero (laughs) yeah yeah right it does kind of remind me of the lie in the garden you know satanism is into many kinds through evolution or through miscegenation whereas the law of our god the creative law of our god is kind after kind so there can't be a human race and there can't be you know all these people with the same origin we have an origin and we have a destiny and it's not the same as the origin and destiny of these other non-white races so it's it's kind of like satanism this belief this modern anthropology a tenant of satanism and and it is a great lie because it's it, it's it's an issue in anthropology because i've i've had I'm, I'm actually an archaeologist by trade and this is one of the things that you have to learn when you're in archaeology so i i had a i had a formal education in this but there's the, the, the one race, the human race thing is one of the biggest scams they've ever pushed because if you if you study if you study uh, 
you know, and the the taxonomy of animals will will separate will separate species from one another based on on just one minor change in appearance, uh, just a slightly differently shaped, say, beak or or a different color of plumage, and we'll classify it as a completely different species. And yet, the the same standards are never ever applied to humans. They 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 go out of their way to not apply it to humans. And if you ask about it, they get very ag aggravated with you. You're not supposed to talk about it. You're not supposed to question it. Uh, and and if you talk to the right people in academia, if you talk to some of the older professors, uh, preferably in private, they'll admit that it's it's political. They'll just say it's a political reason. Don't question it. If you do, whatever career you may have or whatever prospects you may have in the field will just be destroyed. It's not. It, it, it's it's not real, but you just have to accept it, right? And, and those animals they self segregate too. So you can see the law of God within the within the animal kingdom because if they have a slightly different beak or something like that, they don't interbreed. They don't intermix, right? And, unless and it's they're for, like unless people force them to. Like the liger is a cross between a tiger and a lion, but in nature they would never do that. You know, people in a zoo made them interbreed, and yes, they produced a liger. So that in itself means, you know, just because two different subspecies or different species can produce a viable offspring, that doesn't mean they're the same species. Right, because, because those kinds of offsprings are actually a lot more common than people admit. And, like the uh, mule? Th yeah, they, they don't happen in nature often, and when they do, the hybrid almost always dies. Usually not because it's infertile or because it's sterile or even because it has physical defects, but because it's ostracized by both groups and it's because it's alone. Oh, there you go. It'll, it'll die because it can't find a mate, which should sound familiar to anyone who knows anything about Happas. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, Dasho. Or it'll die because it's kicked out of a pod or, or, it's, or it's a flock. It, it, won't, it won't make it, right? Yeah, well, if animals didn't do that, that would be the end of them, wouldn't it? That'd be the end of them, you know, if they're all intermixing, that'd be the end of all these animals straight away. They wouldn't survive. So it, it's like, you know, if they believe in the law of, you know, the fittest, the survival of the fittest, then they should believe in that. What you were saying about your department of academia reminds me of um, Race and Reason by Putnam, because he wrote that book about the time that Boaz had sort of made it in unpolitically acceptable to have any racial differences. And he just talked about how he couldn't find people to talk to about in anthropology about racial things because they wouldn't talk and, but they would only do it sort of privately and, and uh, out of the, uh, you know, without a record being kept taken of it. I think he yeah. was writing back in the sixties or the fifth, was it the sixties, I guess. So the, the, the academics were still around that knew the old ways, but it was, it was already just totally forbidden. Yeah, they were they were being threatened. They were being threatened with having all of their tenure revoked, with having all of the uh, all of the debts that they owe the colleges and universities they attend to being called in. They were being threatened with having their names smeared and all of their research, you know, essentially taken away from them and, and and thrown in the trash. Right? They were they were threatened with their entire livelihoods. Uh, it, it was it was essentially a form of. Uh, of soft uh, terrorism, right? no, no different from uh, from a corporation sending in a group of uh, bully boys to burn down some people's houses when they when they protest for better you know working rights or something. It was it was a more sophisticated version of that essentially.
they they force their views upon upon people with threats of violence. So it's amazing in 2020 you still have old professors that know that there is a racial difference. Heinz Boas came to, to the United States in 1887. In 1899, 12 years later, he became the professor of anthropology at Columbia University and, and remained there until 1942. And that's the same freaking university that brought us the Frankfurt School from Germany. No shit. Wow. Did not know that. Imagine my shock. <laughs> so Columbia University is is a hotbed of of Jewish usurpation of American society. <laughs> I have no doubt. Subversive. Yeah, the first they're all uh, subversives. First Secretary of the Treasury, that Jew Alexander Hamilton, whose real name was Alexander Levine, he also went to Columbia. Uh, at that time, it was called something else. That I don't know a- if the Levine thing is really true. I I I don't want to rain on your parade. I, I understand what you're saying, but that's like debatable, and and I can't one way or another. That's all I'm going to say. Man. Well, he was educated as a Jew. There's no doubt about that. He was educated as a Jew, but if he was really a Jew by blood, it is a flip of the coin. But that's what happens when you when you're born to a whore. You don't yeah. know what you want. Yeah, I hear you. But the timing of, of her life, Rachel Levine's life, and and um, Hamilton's birth, it it seems to me like it may not be true, but I'd like to believe it. It it's clear that Hamilton was a subversive figure in the formation of the country and the writing of the Constitution. I agree with that. But is he really a Jew by race? I think that's probably a coin toss. Only Yahweh knows. That's my opinion. But I do understand where you're coming from. That school's always been a mess, basically. <laughs> and uh... but, Yeah, you know, he was educated as a Jew, and, and we can understand from our observations today that, that good white men make the best Jews quite often. I, I mean, look at how many whites are, are out there actively defending the, the entire Jewish house of cards. Yeah, John McCain. Yeah, John McC- They're faithful. They're 100% faithful to their God, their false God. And they'll, yeah. and they'll, <laughs> they'll receive the um, vaccine just like they receive communion in a Catholic church. They're faithful 100%. They're not faithful to the true God, Yahweh God. They're faithful to the false God 100%. Yeah, they're God. Well, well, you know, the fiercest, during the time of the Crusades and and the Middle Ages, the fiercest warriors that Europeans, white European men had to face were the Janissaries, which were captured white soldiers that were forced to fight for the Turks. Yeah, wow. sometimes they were um, they were taken as children, though, right? Like that's what they did to Serbs. They would take their oldest boy and uh, they would uh, castrate him. Janice well, well, that's absolutely true. But that's what happens to our kids today. They're taken as children. Yeah, and castrated metaphorically. Exactly. 
I've never figured out how to get through to liberals about the race difference. It's like as soon as you start talking about that, it's it's my family, you know, and I try and start talking about that, they will start yelling, literally. I mean, these are pacifist people, but it just upsets them totally. They can't hear anything academic about it. It's just a given. And they're all like, you blasphemy. Yeah, it's blasphemy. You're, well, you're, 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 you're blaspheming their God. Their religion. You're is. blaspheming their God. It is a religion. The whole world, there's a world cult, and all the world is involved in it, even these neo-pagans. It doesn't matter what religion they say they are. They're actually part of this world cult, and the only religion that is contrary to that is our religion, which is you know, the one true God, Yahweh. The whole world lives by the laws of this new world religion, Satanism. It's all Satanism. The whole world lives by it, and we're the only ones... I think, who are against it. And some people probably follow his law without really knowing who he is. White people. Yep. How do we see differently? Sometimes God well, shares us out. It's not us that's seeing differently. It's God that's revealed something to us. No one can come to the Father except, you know, he call you. So that's yeah. the way it is. Yeah. My sheep we will hear my, my voice. Chose us. We didn't choose him, he chose us. That's the difference as well. We, we didn't choose some random God. He chose, you know, like Christ said, he chose us. He chose Absolutely. Him. That's a difference. That's 100% true. I mean, how did you come to CI to begin with? It's not something that you would uh, just fall into. I mean, if you're a regular Judeo Christian, you know, normie, Sunday and Wednesday night going Christian, you're not going to fall into, you know, uh, the greatest story never told, or the Stormfront, or Christogenia, or anything. God has to, uh, you know, bring you here, and uh, a lot of time it's through drama or pain or a loss you've had. It doesn't even really matter what a white person believes, because in the end, Yahweh is still their creator and still their God. You know, and He yeah. made a covenant with the white race, even if they're not aware of it. Even if the white race at the moment has a covenant with death, because God is the husband. He can, he can nullify their covenant with death. It doesn't matter what white people believe because he's still their creator in the end. And they'll learn that in the end. So it's not belief. It's not based on belief in what they think they are. No, that's why he's called Father. And they've lost their identity, you know, but they're going to find out what their true identity is in the end, which is a lot of, you know, of our God. And they'll be judged by our God. They're not going to... He's the judge. You know, he's sovereign. And that's what's going to show the mighty love that he had for us all. That's going to show how ultimate his love was for us when he does the Because yeah. yeah. he will be just, but they're not going to escape judgment. They're not going to escape his um, law in the end. So it doesn't really matter what they believe. They're not going to escape Yahweh's judgment. Nope. I do think that the more faithful that I can be to what I know he asks of me, the more he will open my eyes. And and that's when I worry, when I see myself making compromises. You know, I, I know, you know, separate yourself out from from all of the other races and I see the places where I'm not able to, you know. So so that's Part of him opening our eyes, I think, is that constant 
being true to what he asks and what you know he asks. Well, that's also what God's forgiveness is for. And that's one of the things that a lot of the modern churches don't teach because they don't even accept the, the most fundamental things that would allow that doctrine to be understood. But God knows that because we live in the world, there are instances where we will sometimes have no choice but to either sin or to sin. Yeah. So he offers, he offers forgiveness. He says, it's, it's fine. Repent and you will be forgiven. I won't hold it against you. And we all will repent in that day. I don't think we'll ever be forced to sin. Like, I don't think... Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. You don't think there are instances where, where you have no choice is, between, you know, between, between doing something that's wrong and doing something else that's, that's also wrong? We have to live in the world and we can trade or, you know, better our families. You know, by working a job, we might have to work with someone we don't want to work with, but... You know, we still live in the world at this time. We're still in bondage at this time. Yep, Mr. Babylon. Yep. Every day I have to work around a bunch of non-white bastards, and <laughs> I just have to go with the flow. Man. But you don't have to marry them. <laughs> no. Hell no, I draw the line where I eat in my home. That's the way it is. You know, I don't... And um, a verse in Hebrews which kind of supports what we say it is. We think it's, it, you know, our people are supposed to be holy and separate and a blasphemy against that spirit of separation, that holiness would be the presence of a non-white in our congregation. We've, we've said it's things like that or teaching that we should all come together, you know, and have communion with non-whites, which would be a blasphemy against that spirit of holiness that our people should have. And when you look at Hebrews 29, I think that really supports what we say. And I found that recently, and, and I was hoping I could add that. And it says, And who regarded as common the blood of the covenant in which he was, sanct in which he was sanctified, and who insulted the spirit of that favor? So, and who insulted the spirit of that favor is very similar to blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Who insulted well, that spirit? Mason. The spirit of that favor is very similar, you know. And and so that it connects out Hebrews twenty nine. It connects who insulted the spirit of that favor to who regarded as common the blood of the covenant. So you can see there that that's kind of supports what we say, where Christ said, "Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit." Well, that would be the same thing as making the blood of the covenant common rather than holy. Right, by race right. mixing, that's blasphemy. Yep. Yeah, it is, yeah. So I've heard that come up so many times, and when I found that in Hebrews, I thought that really, because it connects those two ideas. I've never strongly. heard that. Did you just recently find that? Yeah, I did, yeah. In the last week. I've, I've tried to explain it on the forums. Yeah, I just found it. Yeah, you know, I've, I've asked about that being the meaning of, of trampling the blood of the covenant. Introduction of aliens is basically encouraging race mixing. As a, of another race, as your equal, you are encouraging race mixing. Yep. You're making yep. the blood of the covenant common. Rather than holy. 
that's what all the churches are doing. Yeah. Well, yes, and, and that that word common comes from the concept of something that is trodden upon or trampled on. And so that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which is the same as insulting the spirit of, fa of that favor. So when, you, so when you invite a Negro into your church, that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Go oh, down. That's, that's making the blood of the covenant common. So, so they, so they are opposed to Christ and His message. When they do that, that's what the blasphemy of against the Holy Spirit is. Wow, you know, there's a lot of compromised identity out there that would allow a bastard to hang out with them, right? And they're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Counting the blood and unholy thing, and and that word. Unholy here doesn't really mean unholy. It's coyness. That is two words that are translated as common in the King James Version. One is coyness. And, and coyness is something that is common or unclean, but it's not unclean by the law. It's unclean because it has not been sanctified. So something that is coyness can be clean, right? It can be can be cleansed. The other word translated common is balos, and babelos is something that is trampled upon or trodden upon. So the, here it's it's coyness. Has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, a common thing. <clears throat> if, if you're a child of the children of Israel and, and you... you come to understand the covenants and you try to introduce aliens into it then then you're basically treading underfoot the son of god as paul explains it here he doesn't use that word babelos he uses a, a, a different term but it's the same concept mm. i say you were referring to the king james version too when you said i'm holy so well, well, we're opposed yeah, to Christ I, too, because at the beginning of Hebrews ten, you know, if earlier in Hebrews ten, he mentions those who oppose Christ. Well, well, you know what? Basically, if you oppose Christ, you're you're, you're making yourself common or, or unclean. If you oppose Christ, yet your sanctification is only in Christ. If you're one of the children of Israel, you can't be sanctified at all. But but by doing by inviting you know by having a universalist message, you're also against Christ, wouldn't it? Right, because Christ came only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came only for the children of Israel. So any universalist message is going to automatically be in opposition to God and and in opposition to Christ. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry, man. I was just going to say, well, Bill's commentary on Hebrews chapter 10 is a lot more, you know, it, it's great because it explains all this. And then at um, Hebrews 10.30, you have um, um, Paul um, referencing, vengeance is mine, I will reply, and Yahweh will judge his people. So you have, the, you know, those who oppose Christ, well, they're going to have the vengeance of Yahweh come upon them and judgment come upon them if you oppose Christ. And so all those concepts are connected. 
you know, you, you, if you oppose Christ, part of that opposition is universalism. And everyone who opposes Christ, vengeance is mine. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And that's his own people, too, set themselves in opposition to him. That they're going to be resurrected to eternal contempt. Everlasting. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to drag anybody to the church. Uh, I'm not trying to drag a whole church through the mud, but, you know, that was part of my conviction when I was trying to have fellowship up here in Kentucky. Uh, when I realized a bastard walked through the door and they had two witnesses stand against him tell him that she was a bastard. And I told him I wasn't going to fellowship with a bastard in the congregation of Yahweh. And uh, so now the bastard's back in that church and we're no longer there. And uh, so to me, they kind of blasphemed against the Holy Spirit because they had two witnesses to stand against them and tell them that that fucking female was a fucking mamzer. And, you know, I just don't like to keep dragging it through the mud, but that was the raw deal, man. They hear you and they should repent. And the thing is that that church has opposed Yahweh's order in a number of ways, as far as I hear. Amen. The church is full of feminism and mamsers now, so no figure. I don't quite get the difference what being resurrected to eternal reproach, what the difference is between that and hell. Yeah, well, in one, you don't exist anymore, we think, you know, so lake of fire, you don't exist anymore. And the other one is you continue to exist, but you live in eternal contempt. Yeah, That's Daniel, chapter, <laughs> Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 documents that. But in the normal church understanding of hell, it is eternal life, but it is miserable. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Everlasting contempt be eternal life. It has to be. Why would the contempt be everlasting? No, I'm saying it would be, and that's why I'm wondering why it's different than hell, which my understanding of the concept of hell is that it is everlasting. And to me, it sounds like, hey, if you're in everlasting contempt, you're in everlasting hell. Well, well hell is finished. Hell, hell is Hades. It is the underworld of the dead. It, it's where the souls were that could not be reconciled to God un until the coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. and, and that's explained that that's explained in the first epistle of Peter chapters three and four. But, but the, the everlasting contempt, I equate to the lack of reward in first Corinthians chapter three, that if a man has no good works, he will still be saved, but he will have no reward. So what that is, we can't tell ahead of time. We know, but it's not going to be good. <laughs> I don't think I want to know. <laughs> yeah, well, one thing that would be, you know, if your kids were all race mixed, you'll have no reward because they will be gone. They'll just be burned up. <laughs> okay, here's a question. Here's a question about that. So what if you have no children, like, let's say, Paul? Because we just correlated uh, rewards to having children or pure children. No, rewards aren't, aren't correlated to having children. I, I had six kids and they're all worthless. That They're all totally fucking worthless. But I don't want any rewards for my six kids. Paul 
as Christ said, some men make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Yeah. But if you're going to condone race mixing, I'm sure your rewards are gone. Paul explained why he had no wife and children, because he thought that his work for the benefit of, of the, the, the people of Christ and, and the gospel of the kingdom was more important. Right. And, and ha I, I could see where Paul was a young man. He was described as a young man in Acts chapter 7, the beginning of Acts chapter 8, right around the stoning of Stephen. The Greek word used insists that he was a young man. He was mature, but he was young. And, and um, he must have been, in, in order to get a commission from the high priest and go out and do something on behalf of the temple, he must have been 30 years old. That's my opinion. So he was probably right around 30 years old in, in Acts chapter 8 and in his conversion on the road to Damascus, which makes him about 55 years old when he stands before Herod Agrippa II and gives his testimony 25 years later. And, and maybe 57 or 58 years old when he's martyred by Nero. And that was part of Yahweh's plan for the Apostle Paul. Yeah. So it, he explained... <clears throat> in his epistles to the Corinthians that he had a right to take a wife and, and he had a right to demand that the assembly of Christians support him and his wife, but that if he took a wife, it would distract him from his message that he'd be concerned with, with his wife. So, I, I mean, that's a trade-off we all make or, or we all face. So Paul was, he was a crucial figure in, in bringing the gospel of Christ to the lost sheep. So that's the example he sent because of the importance of that role. We don't all have a role that important. Right, which is totally different than like Rachel and and, and uh, Leah, Jacob's wives, you know, Rachel, uh, Rachel felt like she was a reproach and it was a reproach for a woman not to be able to have babies back in the day. And but that's a totally different plan of God, you know, so Yahweh knows where the rewards go and where they don't go. Well, right. Paul basically made himself a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven's sake because he felt <laughs> that he had a greater duty bringing the, the gospel of Christ to the scattered lost sheep of Israel, that that was more important than being distracted and having children. And I can, I can find that understandable, very much so. Because every day, I mean, you know, as a father, you know, raising my children, I, I see, I see always in my life from a father's perspective, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's mercy that I have for my children and sometimes there's direct punishment for my children. Um, so that kind of keeps me in line with Yahweh myself. Does that make sense? Well, well, yeah, I do. I, I mean if I was still in touch with all my children and if I was trying to pursue them I would be severely distracted from my work I don't need that and and all my children were cut off from me. I didn't cut them off they were cut off from me 
So I was blessed with a Melissa. I was blessed with a Melissa for a helpmate. I don't have the distraction of children. So <laughs> otherwise, I'd probably have a lot less time for work, right? I, I mean, that's life. Right. Life like, is my oldest, like my two older children, you know, they're not in my life, but they're not CI. And so I don't have time to be distracted in their way of living just because their mother taught them a different way of life. But I've been blessed. I feel like Job. I got rewarded seven times more with the wife I have with four beautiful children. I'm raising them CI. You know, we're, we're doing the best we can. And, and I hope that my children will be a blessing to other CI families, perhaps, someday, you know. But I see the pattern of Yahweh's creation and what he called the church. Adam and Eve was the first original church until they screwed it up. Well, let's give some of these other people here a chance to talk, J.D. Uh, we we got, I know Eric wants to say something. I don't know if his microphone's working yet. Um, Eric? Scratch. Scratch. Do I sound weird still? Yeah, it's still sounding weird. It's like gravelly. It, it's weird. I'm sorry. No, I, I mean, we can understand you. No, that's okay. I'll just stay in the chat. Someone else can talk for me, maybe then. Well, well I think you had something you wanted to say, so why don't you just get it out? <laughs> well, this whole push for diversity or whatever, especially growing up when the Adamic gene is already the most diverse gene on the face of the planet, and all the others are for the most part just different shades of brown and black. Yeah, right. The Chinese have no diversity. They, they all have brown hair, brown eyes, and yellow skin. The Negroes have no diversity. Un unless they're right, mixed they with white us. people, they all have brown hair. Yeah, brown, exactly. They need us for diversity. It ain't really even yeah. hair. I'm sorry. Right. Scales, yeah. No, we have yeah. every type of hair, every type of eyes, every type of eye color. Our skin even changes color. It gets tan. Why do we need fucking anybody else for it? Yeah, we certainly all but the Jews, the, the Jews think we should all have a little nigger in us, and, and that's exactly what they want. That was the sin of the fallen angels to destroy the creation of God, and they are still at it. Yeah, just like their fathers. They are still doing the work of, of, of that original serpent in the Garden of Eden. And, you know, another way that the white race is diverse that the other races are is in um, gender. Because um, men and women of the white race are very different. They have very strong gender differences. Whereas if you look at a chink, the men and the women look almost the same. If you look at a nigger, the um, <laughs> male and the female, they look almost the same. Like a female nigger looks almost like a male nigger. You know? And so yeah, and the Jewish you know, females look almost like men. They're, there's no um, strong gender differentiation in the non-white races. So that's another way we're diverse. The best drag queens are black guys. Yeah, you know, Joe, that's absolutely, Joe, that's absolutely true, but I was almost afraid that you were going to say that whites have 300 genders, but the other races only have two. Oh, get real. <laughs> As if I would say that. I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. Kurt, Levi, what's up, man? Nothing much. Just riding around up here in New Jersey on my way back to uh, go to Avon, New York, pick up a load and go back to uh, 
Dallas, Texas. Wow. I'm sorry you're in New Jersey. That's hell. <laughs> I'm driving a fifty and driving a seventy foot vehicle that weighs forty forty thousand plus pounds. Yeah. And, and all these narrow roads and stuff up here. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh, so you're out of your initial stages and you're on the road now. That was quick. That's good. No, I'm still with my trainer. He's beside me in the driver's seat. Oh my god. Really? Is it the Negro one? Yeah. You got headphones on, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. thank God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark. Mark, you can relate to that, can you? Oh, I, I, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> Listen, I know what it's like to have uh, Wakandan roommates. You know, I have to live with them. You know, well, Bill knows what that's like as well. But, you know, it's uh, yeah, you know, I never had a Wakandan cellmate, never. They wouldn't, that they dare not do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna pray for you, Levi. Thank you, guys. It's almost over. Got some more days. I hear you, man. Kaz, come on, say something, man. We, so we we met Kaz last week in Bristol, Tennessee. It was a great time. That's good. Hey, I'm here. Sorry, I'm just kind of uh, listening. No, I, I'm doing good. It's good to hear everyone in here talking tonight. I've, I finally worked a few days this week, so I've been kind of busy. I feel like I got hit with a baseball bat all week because I'm so sore from uh, working and painting and stuff. But uh, just a couple of days, I was helping a guy out from the local church here. Uh, but uh, but it was good. It, it felt good to work again and not sit here in my hotel room, bored out of my mind. Praise Yahweh. Yeah, praise Yahweh. I'm glad to hear you found some work. I pray you find some more. I, I mean, well, we really do hope you make it. I wish I could do something to help, but it, it's everybody we know there is in the same predicament, basically. Just struggling as um, laborers to make it on our own. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm doing all right. I got another job lined up for next week. I, I got an interview on uh, Sunday. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm not, uh, I'm not starving yet. I'm not running out of money. My bills are paid. So, all in all, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Well, that's great to hear, man. Are you, are you still in Tennessee, Cass? Say that again. Are you still in Tennessee? Well, I guess uh, technically Virginia, but I'm like, I can I can go outside and walk right to the right to the border. So, but yes, sir, I, I'm still in Bristol. Yeah, I wish I could have came through that way, but I had to go through Nashville on my travel. Yeah, going from from where you were to Bristol is way out of the way. Yeah, it would have been nice so, to to meet you and your your family, JD. Uh, I am grateful that I got to meet Bill and Melissa. It was a it was a good encounter. And, uh, it was uh, when, uh, yeah. It was positive. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. So, Kurt. Yeah, so, time. Kurt. When are you coming down to the Panhandle for a visit? Uh, maybe one day, man. Maybe in like a year or so after I kind of get my myself settled and uh, find a find a place that's uh, not a hotel room. Uh, no, I'd love to come down there and visit you guys. We'll see. Praise Yahweh, brother. Praise Yahweh. Yes, sir.
What about I you, think, Levi? I, I think March just wants you to move to the Panhandle. <laughs> well, <laughs> Jay, well, JD and I did it, so why, what the hell are y'all doing with your lives? <laughs> we got to get them all here in the Panhandle and blow the rest of the map off, right? <laughs> Isn't the panhandle, like, full of niggers? And, I mean, I think of it as one of the worst places in the world. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> it, it depends on your perspective and your prior experience. Let me tell you, from living in South Florida, Tampa, Daytona Beach, the panhandle so far, and I've only been here about a week, is much better. Now, of course, I've been driving around, there, you know, there are condoms. They do abound. But there's more white people that I've seen around, so... I'm I'm fairly happy, you know, and, and again I'm, I'm I left a, a duplex apartment, you know, where I was surrounded by mud sharks and uh, and niggers. Yeah, I could even go outside for a walk, you know, but now it's much better, you know. Okay, the truth is, the Panama City Panama City is the darkest spot on the Panhandle, and it's about twenty percent black, but the surrounding towns are maybe 90% or more white. So it, it's for the South, it's probably the, the, the Florida Panhandle has the least amount of niggers than any other region in the South. Except for vacation time. You know, where are you going to go when they're not everywhere, though? Like, I'm from Alabama, and they're all over the place. I mean, they're just everywhere. No matter where you go, Beverly Hills? Destin? <laughs> or you can move into sticks with uh, JD. JD, how's it going? Uh, where you at? Yeah, I'm out here where I can shoot my SKSs. <laughs> That's a good gun. Yeah, I got two of them. But where JD's at, he probably couldn't find a nigger to shoot them at. <laughs> Only if I drive up in the ghetto part of the town. <laughs> it's wonderful. I love it. I love it so far. I love it. Everybody's humble around here. What state are you in? Well, we're looking forward to seeing you at, at, at Brett's in, on the 17th. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I got way too many tasks this weekend. Yeah, uh... It's an officer's meeting, right? Because I didn't hear about that one. Well, that's next weekend on the 10th. That's cool. But yeah, I'm looking forward to get our League of the Top moving, moving around this area as soon as we can. Well, that's what we're here for. We got to get Mark, Mark well, we got to get um, Ed Whiff in, in, into the um, League of the South. Yeah, we do. It's mandatory. Just to any people on the panel. Yeah, it's mandatory for you, Mark. Then you might get a card. Oh, oh I'll get a card? Maybe. 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 Maybe, maybe a handbook. But, well, let's do, do you have any other um, Bible questions, Bible issues? CS Christian Soul is happening, Christian Yeah, I kind of got one, Bill. Uh, I was listening to, I think it might have been Noah's Flood that you were just talking about. Uh, and it made sense with Hamites, uh, their Greek name or whatnot, were used to be the ancient name of Egypt. 
Uh, what about the septites? What happened to the septites prior to Noah's blood? Did they all get wiped out, or do you think it had anything to do with Egypt at all? Yeah, yeah. The Gnostic idea of the septites is all wrong. That the septites, that all of the descendants of Adam are septites. Abel had no children. Right. I understand that. I think Wesley Swift had some weird shit about the septites going down in Egypt. So Wesley Swift was hooked on a lot of Gnosticism. And that, and that bullshit has to be erased. Yeah, because at first I was like, wait a minute. But then I realized that, you know, only the Genesis, Genesis 10 would be more problematic and more truthful to the cause of my understanding of it. So. Well, well, right. And, and okay, there may have been people in Egypt before Mitzrayim. But those early Egyptian dynasties, we don't really know that they are Mitzrayim or not. But the Egypt of the time of Moses and the Hebrew captivity, they were Mitzrayim because the Bible tells us they were Mitzrayim. But that's not until 1700, 1600 BC. So those early, those early Egyptian and early Egyptian dynasties, perhaps they may not have been misframed. We really don't know enough about the history of Egypt to make that determination. Right. So if we were just speculating, which is not what we'd like to do, but we could speculate that there were some Sethites already there in the land called Egypt. Maybe not Sethites, but maybe Rephane, Nephilim, Fallen Ones, the other races. I got you. That makes sense. Thank because you. all the Sethites, according to the scriptures, the descendants of Seth were, were the race of Adam in the land where the flood was that would destroy the flood. That makes more sense. Thank you so much. But outside of the area of, of the Adamites destroyed in the flood, which were Sethites, descendants of Seth, right? Noah was a descendant of Seth. But, well, Outside of that area, there were Rephaim and, and the Nephilim or fallen ones and other races of people that came from them that continued to survive during the flood. Exactly. So how do we know that none of those early dynasties of, of, of the Egyptians may have been Nephilim? We don't know that. That is so true. Okay. I get it. Don't have a, a a a positive identification on any of them, except that we know that those whom the scripture identifies as Mitzrayim must have been a Mitzrayim of the Hamites. Thank you for the clarification. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Early Egyptian history is problematical, but we don't have all the answers. And there are other possibilities. That's all I'm trying to say. Go ahead, Ava. Sorry. Uh, I heard somebody saying something about a circumcision the other day. Uh, so are we not supposed to get circumcised or circumcise our children anymore? We don't have to circumcise our children, no. Could we? It would be vanity. And, and I understand that a lot of us here might be circumcised because of the um, 
the American healthcare system and the Jewish control over it. it? If you're circumcised or not, it has absolutely no bearing on your salvation. But if I had to do it all over again, I would not have any of my sons circumcised. Okay, so how have a son who's I'm sorry, you dropped out. You have another son yet to be born. Are we, you know, how are we supposed to have one son who is and one? Well, well, I mean, that's a personal decision that you have to make. But that circumcision may, has no bearing on a child's salvation. Right. Yeah, you I know, totally. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm just trying to get, you know, I thought it was, uh, I thought we did it to show the mark. I mean, I thought, I mean, not that anyone's ever looking at our penis to shoot, see a mark or anything like that, but I thought that's how we were marked and distinguished amongst all the other nations. Because yeah, but circumcision, yeah, you know what? Circumcision at that time, I'm sure, helped to preserve our race because it distinguished the children of Israel from Canaanites. But circumcision became a part of the old covenant Levitical law, which was done away with in Christ. And even Paul of Tarsus says that circumcision has no bearing on your salvation. The true circumcision is circ circumcision of the heart. And, and that was also testi testified in the prophets and in Deuteronomy. And doesn't Paul also speak of Abraham's circumcision? So he even takes it back before the Levitical priesthood to Abraham and says that Abraham, he says something like, Abraham was called in uncircumcision. Yes, he makes that analogy. Bill, which podcast should I be looking at uh, to do with where Seth got his wife from? I don't have one because I haven't done a Genesis commentary as of yet, but it doesn't matter where Seth got his wife from. It may have been his sister. Wasn't Eve Adam's sister? Eve wasn't even Adam's sister. Eve was Adam. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Eve was Adam. You, you do talk about it in pragmatic Genesis, though, Bill. So you have done a Genesis commentary. Well, thank you, but I don't even remember that. I'm sure I probably did, but whoever Seth's wife was, she was acceptable to God, and she had to be according to the law of flesh of my flesh and bones. That I have to agree with. I got another question. How how are we to? And this is just something I was listening to the other day from another podcast uh, or another thing on YouTube. Uh, when it says to honor thy mother and thy father, like with Jacob and Esau, it's you know it kind of hints that Jacob honored his mother and his father by not taking a bride from a bastard nation. So, is that one of the ways, or are there many ways to honor thy mother and thy father? Well, there are many ways to honor your mother and your father, but you only have to honor your mother and your father if they honor Yahweh. Amen. Amen. And, and that's absolutely clear in the scripture where, where I forget which king it was, but one of the kings of Judah actually dishonored his mother by removing her privileges at, as queen. He dishonored his mother. And, and that's Second Chronicles chapter... 16, chapter 15, I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, one of the kings of Judah removed the privileges of his mother because she was an idolatress, 
and that was Asa. So he dishonored his mother because she was dishonoring Yahweh. You can only honor your parents when they honor your God. Otherwise, who are you going to be obedient to, your parents or your God? Amen. Well, the reason I, I ask is because my father is CI and my, my mother is a whore of Babylon. So, I mean, I was just trying to make that clarification because my, I always felt what my father told me was true. And he's all, he's never led me astray. He's always tried to keep me. And like, even now, seeing what's going on in the world, I'm, I feel very blessed to have had him as a father. But at the same time, I'm just reading this, you know, reading these scriptures about honoring my mother, too. And I'm thinking to myself, my mother doesn't hold no truth of the law. She doesn't even try to. She even tries to denounce it. So thank you for that distinction. Yeah, Levi, uh, I had an issue with my, my parents, uh, and I had some uncles who scarred me, tried to scar me anyway, and uh, they said, well, you need to honor your mother and father if you think you're going to be a Christian in my eyes, and I'm like, wait a minute. I said, if they don't obey the law of Yahweh, how can I honor that? So that's how I nipped it in the bud. If they don't serve Yahweh, then I can't honor them for that. To me, they're a dishonor to my God. Well, I don't have anything to do with her. Ever since she was sleeping with some fucking nigger years ago, I quit fucking with her. I don't have anything to do with her. Yeah. Well, well, you know, Asa was one of the few kings of Judah that was not a total fuck up, right? Who um did right in the eyes of of Yahweh. Asa was perfect, and and. In 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 17, um, Asa was perfect all of his days. Okay? And, and in verse 16, it says, Also concerning Mekah, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen, which is a dishonor, because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it at the Brook Kidron. Good stuff. show what we're hearing your clicking and shit. Typing, clicking. I yeah, we're hearing. If you can hear my typing. Yeah, that's okay. One of those noisy keyboards. Um, so, so Asa, wouldn't that be a dishonor to your mother? If she made a, an idol in the grove and you took that fucking thing and burnt it down and, and trashed it? Of course, it would also be a righteous move as well because, I mean, you're removing some, some foreign, some foreign well, uh, you know, object from your land. So, uh, well, well, that's that why we have a commandment to honor our parents, but the first commandments are to honor our God. And, and if your parents dishonor your God, you can't really honor your parents. Right. Because God comes first. Amen. But that or any be... blood. Sibling, have... Any relative, anything. Seems like we have a responsibility to care for our parents, whether they're honorable or not. But I don't know that that's scriptural. Yeah, you know what? I don't believe we have a responsibility to care for our parents if they're dishonorable. Because even Christ, when a young man wanted to go back and bury his father, Christ said, let the dead bury the dead. Yes, he did. If your parents aren't following Christ, 
you have to depart from your parents. That that's what he said. That father would be divided against son and mother against uh, against daughter. That that's God has to come first. We are fucking up as a race because we're not putting God first. Amen. I'm in. I'm in those. You know, for, you know, I'm into those bridges between me and my father here recently, and I tried to, you know, we're into that relationship because I was trying to honor the one man that, you know, always told me the truth versus the rest of the world that told me nothing but lies. So, I mean, that's the reason. It's always, it's just weighed heavy on my heart. So I was just wondering. Yeah, you know, it is a burden, right? And and my own mother turned on me a few years ago. And it is a burden to me because I was doing my best to take care of her. So now she's with my little brother and she could stay there. I don't want to see her again. I have various reasons for that, but it's still a burden. It's still a burden. That, that's why he would divide families, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yep. But, but should we be like Scientologists and just arbitrarily just break off every you know every all the people we know you know i, I forget what scientologists call it you know disperson them or whatever no you can't do that you got to try to bring them with you but you don't have to get you don't have to kiss the asses of men you don't have to um go out of your way to please men who are not pleasing god yeah yeah, and there's that Stephen Molyneux who says you've got a defoo, he calls it, which means you just have to, he says, you have to cut off all your family, which I think is nuts. You know, I, I've never, if, if one of my family members was race mixing, yeah, I wouldn't want to have much to do with them or anything to do with them. But just because um, someone doesn't know, if they live as, a, some white people live as Christians without knowing it. And just because your, na- your next-door neighbor might not know CI, does that mean, you know, I shouldn't help them bring the bins up or help them mow their lawn or whatever? I mean, I don't... Right, that's when you take labels too far. Yeah, you know what? Like, a lot of people a lot of people that don't know a damn thing about Christianity still live their lives in a way that we could say and, and observe would please God. So things you do for white people that aren't necessarily professing Christians, that's still that's still good, I would think. You know, if there's a white family down the road and they, they don't understand CI but you you help them, you know, they're they're just a white family and you help them out with some things, I mean, that's still a good work, isn't it? I mean Well, right. I mean you have you might have wonderful parents that aren't really Christians or don't claim to be Christians, but still live um, admirable lives, and you should take care of them. You should take care of them. But if if you're living with contentious parents who who are promoting race mixing, going along with the political bullshit, and, and doing everything that would be adverse to Christ, can you really put those parents before your God? No, you can't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, JD. Go ahead. I was going to say that my mother, you know, uh, you know, I I have preached uh, quite a few funerals in my life, and uh, my mother wanted me to preach her funeral. 
Well, the question came up not too long ago uh, because my uncle married a nigger. And that fucking nigger, she's always at the deathbed of all my aunts and uncles, that the few that passed away. And my mother asked me the question. She said, are you you're going to come and see me on my deathbed if Jackie's there? That's her name. I said, most likely not, Mom. I said, I probably won't come and see you die or say goodbye to you if Jackie's there. She said, well, she's going to be there. I said, well, let her preach your funeral. As far as I'm concerned... I'm not going to preach your funeral. I'm not going to be there. Because if you can't let go of that nigger, knowing what I believe, then I'm not going to honor you in that, right? So that's just where I took my stand. So nevertheless, you know, that's just the way it has to be. Well, well you have to do, yeah, you have to do that. Um, Jersey Pine just made a comment in the chat that we should love our neighbors, even if they are not CI, and that's true. But if they're sinners, we can't love them. No, we have to we, we have to try to correct them. And if they don't understand our correction or if they reject it, as Paul Tarsa said, we have to reject them. Right. And, you know, there's also a scripture, I think it's first John, that if they don't come in the name of Yahweh, don't even give them Godspeed. Well, well, absolutely. That's Second John chapters, Second John verses nine to eleven. I thought it was in there somewhere. Yeah, don't even give them Godspeed. So I can't give someone Godspeed if they don't come in the name of my God. I mean, if if I see a white person out there that's struggling, I'll I'll be a good Samaritan and help them. But I'm not going to fellowship with them. Now they come in the name of Yahweh. Maybe we can talk a little bit. You know. I've met several people over the years, but you know, we can consider good people and stuff like that. And I felt for them, but at the same time, once you start trying to tell them the truth, they immediately, you know, once you try to break the brainwashing that they've been through all their lives, once you try and tell them a little bit of truth, it, it you know, it causes them to, you know, freak out against you. You know, try to even assault you, have you arrested. Sometimes, you know, I, I've tried to save several different From memory, big... that verse about um, bidding someone Godspeed was in a certain context because at that time they were coming out of the um, temples, and so it was very clear the lines were drawn much more clearer than they are today. Biggest family is one of my biggest issues because my whole family is very liberal, and I generally try to have a sort of uh, positive interactions with them. Although I don't go out of my way, um, but the biggest thing for me is my brother, who was married to a quarter Jew, and it's very—that's one of the things I was thinking of when I spoke about. Um, not making compromises, and I'm still trying to figure out how do I deal with it. And I, I hear the stories about people just telling to their kids, you know, if you're gonna do that, don't have anything to do with me or whatever. And I just, you know, it's still something I'm working on. How do I go about this in my life? Well, Linda, I have a daughter that I haven't spoken to since she's 18 years old because she she chose a Jew over me. When my brother married, I was totally ignorant. I would have 
told him, you know, hey, I don't think you should do this, but it's been 25 years now and two kids later. And, you know, so it's it's not like I guided him in a different way or said you shouldn't do that or whatever. So now here he is doing what he's doing and there's no way he's going to get out of it. And I'm or do I just break off relationship with him? Well, well, I mean, I broke off relationships with my own daughter, who's my oldest child. Yeah. For that very reason, I haven't spoke to her since 2000. And she hates me so much that she took her last name off her Facebook account. Well, you know, and they, that's the thing is, is not only do they, not only do they know what they do is wrong, but then they they set their self, they set their face so hard against you because they know, they know deep down the spirit, the spirit cries out against the actions that they do. But at the same time, instead of admitting they're wrong and turning and trying to return, they would rather just ride that pride train all the way to hell. I told all my children that if they ever dated niggers or anything outside the race, they, I would never have anything to do with them ever. So far, everything's okay, especially with the little ones, but they know that too. Our children to support. I did not hear that. I think we need to supervise our child's courting. Also, sure they know to uh, only court within our race, you know? Exactly. Bring back, right. bring back uh, Absolutely. supervised courting, you know? Absolutely. Oh, dating. The, the whole dating scene is Jewish, right? The whole dating scene it is um, is contrived. A parent should actually take full authority over the child's choice of the spouse and, and have a courting process where it, it's determined whether or not that spouse, that potential spouse is compatible. And and worthy, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's you know that's that's the way I would see it. Like, you know, I'm going to know their parents. I'm going to know know everything about the parents of the children that my, you know, my children might court with, and you know, you know, there might be a few boys, there might be a few girls. The way I look at it, if if the parents. You know, come in the name of Yahweh, and we can all have fellowship, and we can let them hang out, and let's see what nature does. You know, right? But within the law right. of God, within the law of God, you know. So that's my hopes. That's what I pray for, and that's what I'm going to stick my foot down on. And I'm sure, I'm sure, just you know, if I keep my faith, that'll happen. That's the thing. I think uh, I don't know if that's the case with you guys, but. Uh... I see a lot of times these guys, they got their teenage daughters, 15, whatever, and all of a sudden they're just wild and crazy. Well, they never took the younger, let them know that. So I think it's important at an early age, you got to tell them truths about everything. Yep. I don't know if that's the case with you. I've seen it. So yeah, now, not, go ahead. No, go ahead, T.S. Um, so now, you know, my, do my oldest is six. 
So she knows she'll she she surprises me with this tells me. Just today she said, uh No Dad, all those laws that God put in our heart but now that we've known them, all of them it was something like like wow, you know? Really getting it. Everyone kinda did that. We wouldn't be United States is in today, you know. Somewhere along the line, our parents lost that. Somewhere along the line, everyone just gave up or something. Obviously. Something went wrong somewhere, right? And I think the wars that the Jewish people put on us and the education system, it all had a role in it. People can't discipline their children. I mean, if you if you try to be too strict with your kids, these people will take away everything that you have. They'll take away your children and give them to somebody else. I mean, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Well, I think take them out of school is the best thing. Hey, man, that's exactly right. Because one thing about the school system. You know, I'm not talking about the Pilgrim days when there was actually a white community of people. You know, everybody helped each other, right, back in those days. But I, I believe that the public education system was set up for the family, the white family, because teachers replaces parents, and the, and the classmates replace the siblings. And by the time they get home and do all the homework, it's time to go to bed. They never get to know their own siblings or their, uh, their parents anymore. And by the time the children grows up, they don't know what family life's all about. But with homeschooling, the parents get to stay the parents, and the siblings are the classmates, and they have a tighter bond. So I've seen it, and this is a blessing to homeschool. Amen to that. I was talking about it. It's a very big blessing. You're doing it right, J.D. I hope God bless you. Yep. Yeah. Now, my older two uh, children are an example. They both went through the school system, and <laughs> they don't have nothing in common with each other. And their teachers are better than daddy. Well, they're official. Daddy's not official. Yep. Well, look well at when you bring your child, when you bring your child to a school, think about this. You are introducing your child to an authority that's bigger than you. Because that school building is bigger than your house. Period. Amen. Amen. Good point on that one. Damn good point. So the impression that your child is going to get is that it's going to be odd by that school building. And it's going to respect the official representatives of the school building, which is the teacher, more than it respects you. Right, I can I can see that too from a child's perspective, like overwhelmingly shocking to them, like oh wow, you know exactly. It would take over the minds of the children real quick, especially in them. That was a damn good point, Bill. It's true. It's absolutely true. Yep. Well, it's like Bill was talking about earlier with the classical edu- you know, the classical literatures learn so much more with that than what any kind of bullshit the whole school system teaches you 12 years absolutely so like you said you never took a damn class outside of high school and i've always had that same conviction 
Like, I see these fools going to college. Like, damn. Okay. I can learn more on the internet than you can learn in that damn class. So, have fun with that. I mean, what do you really need? I mean, first off, you're not going to get an accurate history, history lesson from any, any school. So. And then the only thing you really need is the basics. Adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, knowing how to read and write, things like that. Yeah, you know, in the medieval period and, and even in the early colonial period, children went to school to a local schoolhouse in a community for a couple of years to learn to add, subtract, multiply, divide, basic reading, and that was it. And after that, after that, young boys, if they showed intellectual promise and their parents could afford it, they were sent to a college as teenagers if they if their parents couldn't afford it and the young boys showed intellectual promise they might get a sponsor to put them to a university at 13 14 15 years old so if they got a sponsor they were able to go to, go to a university and and become become educated Latin, Greek, history, whatever, the classics, whatever. But if they didn't show any intellectual promise enough to attract a sponsor, if they couldn't attract a sponsor, they had two choices, the priesthood or the military, <coughs> to uh, avoid um, hard labor for the rest of their lives. Otherwise, they were going to hard labor. They, they were go going to be pawns and... and Pipes of, of some estate and and have to work the farm. So education and education, twelve years of education is a waste on most people. It just that's, destroys families. It just that's just the way it is. Yeah, and it does. It destroys families. Twelve years are fucking prison, man. What it is. And and with kindergarten, it's really thirteen years. I have a sister that's a total fucking idiot. She's a total idiot. She stopped maturing at 15. And she went to school for 12 years, got a diploma that I couldn't get. I didn't get that diploma. I just got a GED. <laughs> that's all you need is Yahweh to be your teacher, man. You but my sister, my sister, I swear, is as dumb as a box of rocks. <clears throat> never had any motivation to learn anything and she got a high school diploma that's a total fucking waste because she lived her whole life as a whore and today she is destitute with no man because she lived her whole life as a whore and that's the truth and my mother hates me because i despise my sister and my sister hates me because I'm a racist and don't accept her nigger grandchild. So that that's the condition that our society is in because men no longer have control of their families. Exactly. Now when your kids go to school, they learn how to be feminists and tell the men what to do. Yeah, well, if men don't have control of their own families, we're not living in a patriarchy, are we? And then we don't have the um, positions in society that men you know, 
men should hold um, the highest positions in industry, in science, in product, in all those areas. Men should hold those positions, and they don't. And they don't even hold a position within their own family. Amen, Joe. They don't. So, oh, God, so isn't, it's not God's order, is it? God, that's God's order. So we're not living under God's order. That's right. No, because Who holds the, those positions. Most of our people, the government is their god. Yep. And the Jews Better hold those positions. Wife. The Jews are the captains of industry. They're the leaders of, in science, so-called. It's all satanic, exactly. Look, look at the art world. You know, so art, science, industry, inventions, technology. It's all Jews. And if you look at the art world, it's, it's garbage now. Whereas it used to be European art used to be very highly developed. Yep. Yeah, look at the path that is leading. And they mock Hitler as a failed artist, and you look at some of the artists today, and you think, you know, what are you saying? You're mocking Hitler as a failed artist. Look at you. Yeah, no shit. Throw a bucket at a canvas. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like when I when I I was forced into the elementary school days, they they used to write a report on me say I daydream too much and that you know I just didn't comprehend da 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 to me it was rather boring man all I could think about was getting outside and hunting or fishing or doing something a little bit more active than sitting here listening to a bunch of Julies right I didn't know it was Julies then but it was still fucking boring I just knew it wasn't true I mean besides the math and the learning how to read part everything else is garbage yeah, you walk into class and suddenly your teacher tells you, everyone in this room is a racist. And you're being indoctrinated into some sort of cultural Marxist bullshit. And then, you know, next week you're learning about how faggots get married. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Yeah, no shit. Like I said, I might as well just go ahead and murder my children if I stick them into a public school. I went to a Catholic school and we still had to learn about like Sikhism and all these other world religions because the government dictates that every school in Australia has to teach world religions, even if you're going to like a Christian school. Wow. How sad. Well, the the benefit of it, JD, was I'm looking at these non-white religions even at like you know, 15 years of age, and I'm thinking, this doesn't make sense. Because one religion I was looking at believed that they're fed, that the um, leaders of their church were 400 years old or something like that. And you're reading it, and you're thinking, there's no way they're 400, you know, they have a record of that. How do they even believe this? <laughs> no shit. Wow. Yeah, all of us on this uh, forum probably were like that. I'm still wondering how faggots get married. They can't get married. It doesn't even make sense. Like when they say, oh, faggots have sex, it's like that's not sex, though. You know, that, uh-huh. that, in what definition of, of, you know, from the. Di- it doesn't even make sense. You know? <laughs> it's technically not sex, so they can't get married because marriage is sex. So there's no such thing as faggot marriage. No shit. That's- 
Masturbating inside some other man's colon is not sex. Exactly. exactly. Uh, new topic. <laughs> um, uh, Una had a question. She didn't ask it because she's having issues with her phone, but she wanted me to ask it for the group. Uh, hold on one second. Tell her she has to be here. Where the hell is she? She's here every other <laughs> time. <laughs> I don't know. I think she's listening on the stream. So Una's question was, um, uh, she wanted me to raise the question of what happened to Ruth uh, Gator Ginsburg, Bader Ginsburg, whatever her name was. Uh, liberals think she's entering heaven to accolades. Catholics think she's burning in hell after being judged uh, for aborted fetuses. What's the CI opinion? I think it'd be pretty easy. She's a Jew, so she's uh, non-existent, right? Right. She's twice dead, according to the Apostle Jude. She's twice dead. She no longer exists, except in the minds of these liberals. But they can't bring her back to life. Twice dead because she died. Twice dead can't hear. Sorry. Go, ahead. Go Joe. See Go us. ahead. Well, in the book of Enoch, the bastards, are, the spirits of bastards, so they still exist till the day of judgment. But that's just another opinion. But it, it, it doesn't really matter because the spirits of bastards are going to be destroyed on the in the judgment anyways. So they're basically non-existent. So are they like, are they like ghosts that haunt the, uh, the, uh, the haunted houses up in New York? All right, this is how I sum that one up. So all the bastards that had these demon spirits, once they died, their spirit roamed the earth, according to Enoch. So when another fucking bastard comes alive, or if you want to call that alive, because they're not really alive, just because they breathe, right? So when white people breathe in the breath, uh, when a baby's born, you can literally watch the baby take his breath in, and it says Yahweh, like when you breathe in. You know, that's how you, that's how you see the baby breathe in. When a fucking nigger is born, most likely one of those demon bastards entered that body. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But the bottom line is that Christians should not respect demons. So, right. whether she has a bastard spirit or not, we, we should pay it no respect and treat it as if it doesn't exist. Exactly. We were told to stay away from that dark world. Yeah, well, she's in outer darkness, hell, whatever, like a fire. Okay, she's not going to be in the kingdom, that's for sure. We're not going to have some multicultural heaven. You know, all, no, most people what? believe in a multicultural heaven. You know, oh, so if you well, if they're a white nationalist on earth, they're offended if you tell them, "Hey, niggas don't go to heaven." You know, they'll be offended. Oh, that's just a bit too far. I believe in a multicultural heaven. And you think, well, if you have all these problems with niggers on earth, what do you think they're going to do in heaven? (laughs) Well, Joe, you know, they're they're segregated. There's different heavens. There's white heaven. There's Negro heaven. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Look up at the clouds and show me the brown spots. Well, heaven surely could not be a idea of heaven with niggers there, that's for sure. I thought they didn't have the spirit of God in them, so they just disappeared once they died. There's no soul. 
You know, did you ever see the Jetsons? What was the little boy's name? Come on. I'm playing along. Leroy. You guys, I'm sorry. I must be old. <laughs> but the next question is, what what was the mother's name? What was the father's name? And and then the next question is, what was the little nigger's name? And there weren't no niggers in Jetsons. So there ain't no niggers in the future. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Roving creatures tell his age. But didn't uh, Swift uh, teach that there was niggers in space? You got me scratching my head here. Yeah, they had their own planet according to Wesley Swift. <laughs> yeah, Wesley Swift and, and and George Lucas would have got along fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's that lab, Don. Where you been? Yeah, just listening or whatever. I got. <laughs> Don, come on, man. Yeah, you'd be perfect for this open forum. You you got all that old CI knowledge. Arnold Martin. Yeah, these old, uh, these original OGs like Don and Michael. I know where Michael's at. He's enjoying that Negro chicken. But uh, yeah, Don, you got to give us some feedback here. One part that I can. What's an OG? Original gangster. Oh well, I don't want to know about that then, Mark. It took me a lot of years hearing that word to figure out. It's how all the young kids talk. Come on now. OG is a very popular term in prison used of an old nigger, um, old gangster, and an old gangster, right? Chicago, there's a whole gang called the OGs, niggers from Chicago. I did not know that. Well, you haven't had the um, the privilege of being a federal inmate. What can I say? Can I say? <laughs> no, that's one of the... I was only a jail boy for a little bit, but that's it. Well, well, Don, I, I mean, you're special to us because, um, you know, most of the old followers of Ronald Murray and Bertrand Company and Wesley Swift just hate me. <sighs> yeah, I, I didn't even actually know much of them. I was got more with the Pete Peters and that whole thing. That's where I got started. But well, the, well, they all hate me, too. Pete Peters gang, they hate me. They won't even talk to me. I pride. You know, I was, I guess they call it single seed line, whatever you want to call it, but you learn that all Israel will be saved. And this is something that caused me a lot of misunderstanding. And I think a lot of other people may have this too in that realm is that, you know, all Israel is saved. We were learned that. Then it got translated into, well, we all descended from Adam. So thenceforth, everybody is saved. You know, it becomes universal reconciliation. That become a big deal, and and when I got when I listened to your pragmatic Genesis, that just opened my eyeballs popped open. Where you, these are the other races are from the fallen angels mixing and all this, and all of a sudden it seemed like it just started falling into place. They ain't all from Yahweh. All in Romans eight, where they try and use that every the whole creation will be restored. It will be. It just they ain't part of the And once you get that through your head, it was like I don't know what you'd call it—a revelation. Don't even seem to describe it the way I looked at it. Oh well, do they really think niggers came from Adam? Well, from what I can tell, because they all think they're part of his God's creation. 
I've heard so out of them that they're trying to make it sound like it's all, um, you know, everybody came from Adam. Because everybody died be before. The, the thing would be mean to, to um, put him in the lake of the fire then, because he created them, if that was true. Right. Yeah, they're looking at, see, all of those races are created by Yahweh. So henceforth, they're all in the kingdom, because Roman eight, Romans 8 says all creation will be restored. You know? So why it was against fornication? Why does Jude say that fornication is the going after of strange flesh? How could there be strange flesh? Yeah. yeah how could there be people of different gods? You know, a daughter of a strange god. You know, it, it'd be God's fault. You know, it, because he created them, it would be his fault that, you know, that they're bad and all this. Well, that's basically what Stephen, jo Stephen Jones teaches, I can tell you that. Well, we think of origin and destiny. If you, if you have an origin with God, you have a destiny with God. And you have, if you have an origin outside God, your destiny is outside God. Yes, so if Yahweh created those bastards, that makes him imperfect, right? Yep. Yes. The, the idea that God created a nigger is blasphemy, because the idea that a nigger is created in the image of God, or the likeness of God, it's blasphemy. And, and, yes. and to say that God would do something like that, that God would corrupt his own creation, you know, I've asked the one seed line of that, you know, like, did God corrupt his own creation? And why are they, the, you know, that's a good point Bill makes about why would there be laws against, yep. against fornication? And why not just, you know, mix it up? And it's it's silly. And then and then you've got niggers in heaven again. It's, it's niggers in heaven again, too. So Jude would be a liar saying that going after strange flesh, just like the rest of them would be a liar. The whole Bible's a lie if God created a nigger. Yeah, the serpent, the serpent in the garden wasn't lying. He was just like, yeah, you know, he was just telling, them, you know, he was just trying to tell Eve what God says. You know, he was saying, you know, you won't die. Just mix it just up. Mix it's it fine. Up. God, God, God wanted God. it this way. Your the serpent is your flesh. That's what they'll say. Something like oh, that. Yeah, right. Yeah, serpent is your flesh. So we're well. Then why the Baptist John called some people? You know. Serpent seed or of the serpent. If everyone's of the serpent, wouldn't that be redundant? If everyone's of the serpent, why would you have serpent seed and offspring of vipers and brood of vipers and race of vipers? Because, as you know, Joe, it's spiritual vipers, spiritual oh, devils. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they went to the yeah, school to the of Satan and learned, yeah. <laughs> Don't you know when the Bible uh, talks about something being literal? Is it a literal seed? It means actually a spiritual seed. <laughs> Always. Not fail. Not fail. Oh, I mean, oh. I mean, yeah, let go of this racism thing, man. It's not good for your heart. You're going to stroke out one day. Yeah, yeah, well, I try. I try not to be a racist, Ed, but, you know. I tell you what opened my eyes really deeply into knowing that there's no way that any non-white would ever be there in heaven, except for us white Israelites, is when, you know, we, we knew, I knew about the two sea line, you know, and the wheat and the terror, but when Bill mentioned, we got a problem more than sea line, we got a tree line problem.
<laughs> a whole tree line, two tree line problems, you know? So it's two tree lines for real. But while the scripture pits two tree lines against one another, the, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that, that's the original dichotomy. Yep. You know, when I was a child, when I was reading Genesis and I come across that tree of knowledge of good and evil, I, I was like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> like, damn, what the hell? But, you know, now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, this is a whole tree line, a whole family tree line of evil devils. What he says in there, I don't know why. Sometimes when I think about some of the verses, and I read these things, and I just like I sit and scratch my head, how could I be so stupid that when it says, I will put enmity between the seed of the woman and the serpent, and it'll be for. That's a pretty simple statement. Oh, yeah. It didn't seem like it was because I didn't get it. Well, I tell you what, that natural hate is true because, man. I was a liar, like in like first grade, man. They gave me this uh, safety guard badge, and uh, here comes this little fucking nigger uh, crossing the road. Well, there's a little fire going on because I threw a fucking match down and caught something on fire, and I blamed it on that fucking nigger, and that nigger got in trouble. I plotted it all out for that nigger. I hated the nigger that bad. That's bad, wasn't it? Yeah, where I grew up, I never met a one of them until I got put in the army. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I never did like niggers. You know, I knew about the nigger before I did about the Jew. But now, <laughs> my mother asked me, she said, which one you hate the most? I said, you know, I hate them all. What's that uh, weed killer, round, Roundup? Yeah. Yeah, Christ is like Roundup for the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> yeah, well, now you have articles on Time, like the the cover of Time saying, "Is your baby racist?" So it's obvious that it's something inherent within the creation, and you can see it, like we were saying before, in animals too, that they stay within their own kind. But there's also a lot of stories I found, and I posted them to the forum where animals are racist. Like elephants in Africa hate niggers, and and there's a goose beside a university in Britain that only attacks niggers as they walk past, and if white people walk past, it, it it's friendly, and we all know that dogs are racist. Dogs hate black people generally. Yep. Absolutely, hundred percent. Dogs, they can't stand them. There was a great story uh, a few a month or two ago about how uh, how whales and uh, and orcas in the Mediterranean Sea were capsizing migrant boats, which I thought was hilarious. Wow! Whales doing the jobs our navies won't do. That'd be great. Racist whales. <laughs> <laughs> I love whales. I love whales now. I'm gonna get one of those stickers or a shirt. Save I love whales. whales. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Get rid of That's the That's a great story a few, years, a few years ago about an alligator eating an Indian. Oh, a crocodile, sorry. A crocodile in Australia. Indian goes for a swim and it takes him straight away. It happens so the, the time, uh, crocodile almost got diarrhea after all that curry. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> you mean you got Indian in Australia? We've got everything here now, Bill, sadly. 
Yeah, um, hey, hey, listen, they, he just found niggers like last week. He's catching up. We, we don't <laughs> have red it's it's not like Florida, though, Ed, because you've got like yeah. 20% niggers. So, so, I so, see you them just, maybe, you just, you know, you maybe just, 5%. Exactly. So don't be. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. There's 20% niggers in Panama City. If you go to Panama City Beach, it's only 5% niggers. If you come up to the backwoods on the river where Melissa and I live, it's zero percent niggers. Hey Amen. And, and, and Joe, just so you understand, you can brag now about your lack of niggers and our overabundance of niggers. When it comes to Judgment Day and Yahweh's handing out the rewards, it's going to be JD, Levi, Bill, Ed out there leading the kingdom, and you're going to be stuck in the back. And Yahweh's late. So listen, I gave you your rewards up front. You know, look you know, what they had to go through. So, Joe, you're going to be diminished because you didn't have enough niggers. There you go. There you go. The yeah, yeah, when we were called to arise and thrash is what you're talking about. Now, see, listen, you should have taken the diversity while you had the chance. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of chinks here, Ed. Did I, yeah. No, no, that's There's not the same thing. There's a lot of things. Listen, that, Good, that, 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 listen yeah, okay, yeah, wow. Yeah, you're really suffering over there with those chinks. Wow. Did you say chinks? No, no, I don't, I don't know if that is what I said. What, what, what? I'm on my best behavior tonight, you know. Yeah, there's, there's a bleeding over into some other uh, radio stations. That's not what he said. He was saying how, you know, he appreciates his betters and that, yeah, he is appreciative of the opportunity to learn from a, a great uh, people, you know, such as yeah, the Asians. Yeah, you know, chinks only, have two, chinks only have like two things to say to white people, right? And, and the first thing is fried rice, pork or beef. And the second thing is we love you a long time. I didn't want that to be a conversation stopper. <laughs> no, no. Didn't old Wesley Swift thought that the Asiatic was the first creation, didn't he? Yeah, you know, Wesley Swift fucked up where he thought that they were a creation. Yeah, I know, to begin with. That they were created by somebody, but it wasn't by Yahweh God. No way. No way no. did Yahweh create a fucking chink. Just because they don't keep the law in their hearts that they're not created from him. Like if they're eating, if their whole society is eating cats and dogs and eating babies and all that sort of stuff, you know, they're not pro, they don't have the law in their hearts and they're not part of his creation. No, their father's a dragon, man. Look at their fucking eyes, dude. Well, look at their origin stories. They all share the same damn story. Yeah, they all share the same story, which is that they were born out of chaos from some sort of feminine force that was a serpent or a dragon, which fits perfectly with the origin story that's in the Bible. It's just told from the other side. Tiamat. Tiamat. Chaos. Tiamat. It's the same story. That that's yeah. actually evolution too, because if you think about it, ev evolution is the idea that we came from randomness. You know, that the, the, the um, information within our DNA could somehow arise from randomness or chaos, which is a well, false idea. So well, evolution well, is the same God. Well, what's interesting, what's interesting is interesting. evolution exactly isn't wrong. 
It's true. It's just not true about us. It's about them. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're created after that shit was already here, corrupted. By an intelligent god, we were created. We were... Now, yeah. How did they come up with that the chinks have high IQs? I mean, with because the they cheat. It's, <laughs> really? It is. I'm, I'm not kidding. It's a well-known fact in academia that the Chinese cheat extensively. They cheat on all of their testing. They cheat on all of their exams. There's entire cheating industries. Parents will pay big money to get their kids a wire during exams. There's all kinds of things. They they just cheat. There's there's a tremendous cheating industry, and because we because we live in this world where we have to take everyone equally seriously, a degree from a Chinese uh, university or an Indian or a, or a Indian university for a doctor is taken just as seriously as one from an American or British or German school for engineering or, or, uh, or a medical degree from there. And, and you know what? It- what I was going to say, even if that was uh, not <coughs> true, right? Uh, Asians, they, they're good at memorization, but they can't create, right? They don't have critical thinking. Yeah. Uh, I really agree with Linda that chinks don't have high IQs, that it's all bullshit. Yeah. yeah. They, I've it, heard they only test the top of their population. And also, if, if a test doesn't measure what it purports to measure, it's not valid. So if you look at their civilization and they're eating cats and dogs and they're living in sewers and disease and filth, well, then, that's it. what's your definition of intelligence, then? Is this test really measuring intelligence? If you look at these people and they're living in a sewer, then it's not testing intelligence, is it? It's not a valid measure. And so they've got to redesign the test to test the morality and creativity of the white race so that it aligns with, oh, yes, we can see that they're building great architecture. They've invented pretty much everything in the history of the world now we have a test that um supports that you know that agrees with that but to come up with a test that proves that chinks living in sewers are more that's ridiculous it's a joke but it's odd because with negroes they come out really low and that's what you would expect so you would expect the iq test to catch the, the chinks too but it doesn't I mean, somehow they cheat or whatever. I don't know. Also, there's another factor involved in that, too, which is that uh, there's it's been pro. There have been studies in language uh, that show that certain languages are better at certain concepts than others. Uh, for instance, in English, we, we tend to remember numbers in blocks of three and four, which is like, you know, how you would memorize a phone number, right? You would go five, 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 five. You would you would do it in threes and twos, or maybe you would do it as a four. Chinese, with the way the script, with the way the the symbols are written, it's if you're fluent in Chinese, it's you can you can remember numbers in larger blocks, mm-hmm. which does have an influence on mathematical capability, but that's not something racial. Like any any white man who who bothers to learn Mandarin could take advantage of that memorization technique to be marginally better at certain mathematical equations and things, being able to do it in their heads. But that's, but that's not, you know, that's not racial. That's just, that's just a different tool, right? That's, that's, you know, English versus Italian versus French, right? Eskimos have a hundred words for snow or so it's been told. I don't know if that's true or not. 
Oh, okay, the Chinese alphabet is over 100,000 characters, and the useful characters, the characters used day to day, are, are three to six thousand, between three thousand and six thousand characters. And and I'm going to say one thing: the intelligent race can express everything it needs in 26 characters or thereabouts. <laughs> right. If you need a hundred thousand fucking characters to express everything you need to express, you're a fucking idiot. I don't give a fuck if you memorize every one of them. You're still an idiot. Damn right. Yeah. Well, what is the fruit of their high IQ? Still, I ask the question: What's the fruit of their high IQ? Eating dogs, eating babies, living in sewers. Well, the the fruit of their high IQ is theft. That they are able to successfully steal things from us, but even yep. then, it's it's a mediocre theft. They can't truly; they're not great at copying, right? And I, I have an excellent example of this because I, I, I know I know this for a fact, which is: uh, Do you know how concrete's made? Just just throwing it out there. Any of you familiar with the with with the with how concrete would be would be made? It, you know, I, I wish I knew how Roman concrete was made because this American bullshit breaks up in 10 years. So this is that's, that's actually relevant. Deal. That's actually relevant. Um, when when concrete is made, it's made using uh, sand, right? And you you make sand, and it's it's used. It's it's a mixture that hardens and cures, and it turns into essentially fake rock. Um. However, the, the, the thing is, we when we make when we when we make concrete, we actually create what we call an industrial grade sand, which is we take rocks and we put them in a machine that smashes them. And the reason we do that is because on a microscopic level, the more the, the rougher the, the sand particle is, the stronger the concrete will be because it's it's those those rough pieces that interlock with each other when the concrete sets, and that's what determines its strength. Right, uh, Roman concrete. We actually know now how they made it, which is they used volcanic ash from Mount Vesuvius to make it. Which is one of the reasons it's so enduring, is because it's got volcanic glass infused into it, which is why it's it's so long lasting. Chinks, when they make all these cities that they have, and you see all these these you know prop cities that the Chinese Communist Party have made, they say, oh, you know, white pigu, stupid. He he spent a lot of money pound up rock to make sand we have a lot of sand just on beach so they've they dredge up thousands upon thousands of miles of beach sand and use it to make concrete except there's a problem which is sand from the beach is the smoothest sand that exists because it's been made through through tumbling it's been worn down by water and the action of waves so if you look at it under a microscope it looks like a bunch of marbles which is the reason why you can just take a steel-toed boot and kick a hole in chinese concrete is because it has no strength so they can steal things but they don't understand them they never have right they don't understand why their concrete is inferior and quite frankly they don't care yeah and what you guys were saying about the alphabet right so with our 26 or 30 letters or so we can uh, formulate complex thoughts and ideas but they have to have thousands and thousands because they can't actually formulate anything. They have to copy it from someone who thought about it before in their past history. So they, they need, yeah. And with those thousands of letters, do they ever get an idea that's worth anything? They're not idea people. They're not idea people. 
I mean, to be to be perfectly fair, the Chinese don't even exist anymore, right? And this is this is something you'd find out if you if you study Chinese history, which I I'd, I'd completely understand if you didn't want to. It doesn't really matter, but the the Han Chinese went extinct a thousand years ago, right? The Chinese are are the are the quintessential mongrel, right? They have been race mixed over and over and over again, and they they essentially they don't they don't really have the, what the Chinese are would be if in some alternate universe there was there was just a thousand years of the current invasion that's going on in Europe, and then you know a bunch of 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 weird Turkish Asiatic mulattoes living in Germany declare themselves to be Germania and and Aryan. And they say we're, we're the real Aryans because we can trace our history back to all of these people. So we're gonna wear those clothes and call ourselves Aryans. They're they're not the Han Chinese. The Han Chinese are dead. They've been dead for a long time. So, the, but they still look like insects. They all look like, even though the Chinese have different body shapes and 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 you see um, eight foot tall Chinese and four foot tall Chinese. They all look like insects, and and they all have the same general features. Yeah, and that's race mixing. Like if 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 the if if the if the satanic world order got its way and they race mixed everyone as much as they want to, the future would look Chinese. It, everyone would look like the Chinese because that's what it looks like when fifteen different races race mix and and form this homogenous slurry of brown goo. Right? So you mean happy hair and and inch thick lips are going to be bred out of existence? I mean, there are there are Chinese there are some Chinese who have nappy hair and inch thick lips. So unfortunately, no, that'll still shine through occasionally. Apparently, some of the southern Chinese they they uh, mix a lot with blacks, right? That's yeah, true. and uh, and I mean, they, and they use they use race mixing as a weapon, which I think is another thing that that clearly differentiates their not just their civilization but their entire spirituality from us they they actively promote race mixing as a tool to get what they want because they they are they've actually opened three different chinese universities now where they explicitly uh, racially, they they racially profile the people who who join those universities they only accept black men from africa and Chinese women because they want to breed uh, chink mulattoes that they can use to help further take over Africa because they want Africa for its resources. So they've literally created a, a, a universities that are Asian female, black male only. What? So, I heard the opposite, that they would not accept any of the black you know, immigrants that we're getting. Well, they won't. They're sending them. They're, what they're doing is they're creating bastards, and then they're sending them to Africa. They don't want them in China, but they will okay. send them in Africa, so that way they'll 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 be loyal to China and and but still but still look somewhat native, so that they can they can essentially create another ruling class to to take over Africa is the idea. And they are taking over Africa. Yeah, they are. They're they're just taking it. They're taking it, and no one's stopping them. They're taking over the South. That there's chinks, you know, Melissa and I, we go north a lot to Bristol, and, and we drive the highways in Alabama and Georgia, and we see chinks all over the fucking highways, man. Maybe not as much as we see niggers, but we see tons of chinks that I would have never imagined seeing. We go to Destin, and, and we see all kinds of chinks in the malls. Yeah, well, thanks for warning me. Now, no, that's the off the list. 
that there are chinks all over the South and they're colonizing the South. We in Panama City Beach, we see these fucking chinks riding up and down the, the front beach road on bicycles back and forth to work all the time. Tons of them. That there are actually massage parlors here in Panama City Beach that have been that are Chinese run that have been cited for prostitution. Oh boy! What a shot! What a shot! <laughs> I, I never would have houses. imagined that such a thing could come to pass. These upstanding Chinese citizens are actually <laughs> are actually prostituting their daughters for cash. We had a friend Surely here. Jest, Bill. We had oh, a Bill, friend here. Slander. We had a friend here who's a League of the South member, a fellow League of the South member who's here. He's still here, and he went to a massage parlor in Panama City Beach. And the, the Chinese, the 50-something-year-old Chinese woman asked him if he wanted a front massage. <laughs> she, asked him, she asked him, you know police, you want front massage? You know police. Oh, shit. That these fucking chinks are, are like roaches. And, and they're, they're a drain on white society. But we've seen so many um, military men down here. Yet, you know, there's several air bases in the area. And we've seen so many military men down here that, that are married or, or in, in bed with chinks. It's incredible, the, the number of them. Yep, the white girls are running off with the niggers, and the uh, white boys are running off with the chinks. Yeah, that's true. And we see it all the time. It breaks our hearts. And we chastise them when, whenever we get a chance. And, and we've actually been disinvited from bars on the beach for, for talking about chinks and niggers. <laughs> well, I know we drug a lot of monks back here after the Vietnam War. I can attest to that. Yeah, well, that's probably when it all started. It, it also happened, I think, after World War II, right? Yeah, like, yeah. to some degree. You, you stick uh, men and women together, uh, regardless of race, they're going to have sex, unfortunately. Korean War, there's a lot of Korean ones here, too. Well, yeah, you know what? I got a first cousin that I refuse to talk to. I, I'm sorry. He's a second cousin. He was an Air Force, whatever the top rank is, Sergeant Major or whatever in the Air Force. And he was assigned, he's 10 years older than me, exactly. He was assigned to an air base in England in the 70s. And he brought home a fucking Korean wife. How, do you, how does a white boy go to England and bring home a Korean wife? I, I don't get it. But my his mother told me that where he was stationed that there were all kinds of korean women living in england who were seeking out white american air force officers so my cousin george cole married a chink a korean and brought her back to florida and had three kids with her, married his kids off to other Air Force people, uh, other white people in the Air yep. Force. Yep. 
Now, I refuse to talk to him, and he knows I'm a racist, and, and I don't know what he thinks of me. I don't give a fuck. But his, chink, his Korean wife died a couple of years ago of cancer, and he went right out and married another fucking Korean. He, he's kind of wealthy. I mean, he has a good pension. He graduated top rank in the Air Force. He teaches aeronautics in, in two different colleges on, on the Atlantic coast in Florida, down in Cocoa Beach where he lives, and, and works in, he works in Kennedy Space Center as a civilian now, doing the same job that he was working as an Air Force officer. So, so I, he's double dipping. He's and and he's triple dipping. He's got it made financially because he's in bed with the system. And as soon as his Korean wife died of cancer, he went out and married another fucking Korean. And he's ten. He's almost seventy years old now. Wow, he must like those front massages. <laughs> Yeah, right, but that that's the state that so many people, so many white people in our country are in, that they think that this behavior is okay. Yeah, it's a shame. Well, yeah, absolutely. I know two young guys that are like, they're 30, and um, they're white boys, you know, and they uh, go to these little Asian massage parlors. You can tell which ones that they are, because the, the windows are all blacked out, you can't see inside, of course. And that's what they go there for. They go for the little happy ending. Well, it's cheating other white families. It's, for example, it's cheating my babies out of a future husband or a wife because where are they at? All this race mixing. You had said something, Dasha, about how the Chinese were the ultimate result of all this race mixing. But then why don't they look like the Mexicans who are the ultimate result of all this race mixing it's different sort of, groups hmm. also the, the to be to be perfectly fair the uh the mexicans aren't as race mixed as the chinese are you know what i've seen mexicans who look just like chains and yeah. and i think I, I think there were probably chinese in mexico in ancient times <laughs> i've seen that well, they, they theorized that they did cross the Pacific into South or Central America at some point. I'd have well, seen certain Mexicans who look just like chinks, but then I've seen Mexicans that look just like those statues at Easter Island with the short bodies and the really long heads. Mexicans that were only five feet tall and had really big heads, I swear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Mexicans are just so fucking mixed up, you don't know what they are. Weren't my pretty much like Indians? Indians, Polynesians, whatever. So they're, they're already Asiatic, and then they mix with whites. Who the, who the fuck knows? What the fucking coin? That they're so mixed up, you don't know what they are, I swear. Ain't that what Mexico kind of means? Mex, mix. Well, well, yeah, Mexico, mestizo, mixed, bastard, what, mamser. Yeah. I I actually have I just I just found it in one of my one of my things. I actually have the information about Chinese. If you're interested in hearing it, I I can't explain their history. 
Well, well, go on. I mean, we're we're running into three hours, but we're going to keep this story going. <laughs> so, so, two out of the last three dynasties in China were ruled by foreign conquerors. Uh, before the Mongols came along, uh, the northern half of China was ruled by foreign conquerors for about 700 years. Uh, the Jin dynasty that the Mongols conquered was already ruled by foreign conquerors called the Jurchens, who themselves had replaced another dynasty of foreign conquerors called the Katans to become the rulers of the northern half of China. Keep in mind that the northern half is the more important half because it contains the original heartland of China, while the south was originally a frontier land that was unsettled, unexplored, and didn't have anyone living there. The Kitans and the Jurchens alone brutally enslaved the Chinese for more than 300 years. So just by themselves, that's 300 years of uh, conquest and slavery. Even the Tang Dynasty which was considered the golden age of China, it originated from foreign ruled dynasties. After the fall of the Han dynasty, the northern half of China was repeatedly conquered by various foreign invaders for almost 300 years during a time of total chaos and suffering. The foreign barbarians came in waves, replacing previous conquerors and running, uh, well, running a train of rape and destruction, essentially, on the enslaved Chinese population. After suffering for about three centuries uh, of nonstop rape by all of these different foreign ethnicities, the Chinese in the northern half of China had become completely mongrelized. The genuine Han Chinese were raped, race-mixed, or enslaved out of existence in the northern half of China by that point, and the only, only people with fabricated genealogies remained. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, you know what? what? What the fuck did they look like in the first place? Well, it's, it's funny you mention that because they have legends about how some of the original people who, who lived in China had uh, red hair and green eyes. So hmm. imagine that. I think that was the Han people? Uh, yeah, actually. It's, it, was either the, it, it had something to do with the Huns. Uh, mm -hmm. But eventually the northern barbarian rule dynasties conquered the rest of China and then transitioned into the Tang dynasty. The rulers of the Tang were ethnic mutts. They LARPed as Han Chinese. The Tang Dynasty may have been culturally sinicized, but most of its population, including the rulers and the elite, had already been mongrelized by hundreds of years of rape and enslavement by almost half a dozen different barbarians. In the middle of the multi-ethnic Tang Dynasty, an Indo-European general named An Lushan started a civil war, which has been called the second deadliest conflict in history after World War II. Some scholars claim that 36 million people died, or one-sixth of the world's population. Regardless, about two-thirds of China's entire population was killed or displaced. And Lushan tried to conquer all of China, as well as the, uh, the remaining Indo-Europeans, Uyghurs, Tibetans, and Arabs, raping and massacring the defenseless population of China, and further mongrelizing the already mongrelized Chinese race with Arab, Tibetan, and Uyghur mercenaries. This is the war which, in which, which 30,000 civilians were eaten during a prolonged siege. By the time the siege ended, only 400 civilians remained. Cannibalism has a long and continuous tradition in China. Uh, the Tang Dynasty never recovered from this war and declined into total collapse. Once the Tang Dynasty disappeared, the northern half of China was again conquered by foreigners. The Katans and Jurchens enslaved, oppressed, and exploited the Chinese for more than 300 years. The Jurchens were especially brutal. In the Jing Kang incident, they captured the Song Dynasty capital and massacred, raped, and enslaved the entire population, including the entire royal family of China. The emperor himself and 14,000 elites were forced to march all the way to the Jurchen capital, where they became slaves or sex slaves. The Jurchens ruled the northern half of China with an iron fist, but they were eventually replaced by the Mongols, who 
conquered all of China. So by the time the Mongols come into this picture, just to give you an, an idea of the timeline here, by the time the Mongols show up, China's already ruined. Okay, just to be perfectly clear about this, China's already gone. The Han Chinese are gone by the time the Mongols show up. The Mongols enforced a rigid racial caste system in which the southern Chinese were placed at the absolute bottom below the northern Chinese. The northern Chinese elites were not ethnically Chinese. They were the descendants of foreign invaders who had repeatedly conquered the northern half for centuries. The rest of the population was a mongrelized byproduct of centuries of rape and race mixing that irreversibly and forcibly changed the gene pool of China forever. The Mongol Yun dynasty was eventually ousted by Chinese peasants. The first emperor of the Ming dynasty was originally a homeless bum. After all the time being dominated by foreigners, the actual Chinese finally ruled all of China, but not for long. Northern, China, northern foreigners called the Manchus conquered all of China and enslaved, established the Qing dynasty. Or the Qin dynasty, I believe it's, it's pronounced. It's spelled Q-I-N-G, but I believe it's pronounced Qin. I think the G is silent. Which was the last dynasty in the history of China. 25 million people died during the Manchu conquest of China. The Manchus were extremely cruel to the enslaved Chinese population. They brutally imposed a national hairstyle called the Kuei, which was essentially a circumcision of the head that, that symbolized Chinese enslavement of the Manchus. And they carried out a decade of gruesome massacres against all of the Chinese who resisted it. You've actually seen this if you've seen some older depictions of Chinese, that, that thing where they have a really extreme tonsure where they have almost all of their hair shaved off and then the part of it is pulled way back into a pigtail? That's the Kuei. For almost 300 years until the end of the Qing Dynasty, it was illegal to not have a Kuei upon punishment of death. The Manchus even had the most brutal and oppressive literary inquisitions in the history of China. Entire villages were executed to punish individuals who so much as uttered a single word of criticism of the Manchus. Death by a thousand cuts was especially popular during the Qing Dynasty. Manchu rule of China finally ended in 1912, but it's been well documented that for years afterwards, many Chinese were still terrified to cut their quay for fear of possible retribution from their former Manchu masters. Ironically, the modern Han Chinese are actually a product of their historical enslavement to the Manchu. Uncle Chang's bragged that the Han Chinese played an important role in the Manchu conquest of China and aided the Manchus in their rapes and massacres of millions of innocent Han Chinese. The shameless Han Chinese even boasts that the Manchus were benevolent masters and worshipped Manchu emperors such as Zhang Zi, proving without a doubt that the Han Chinese are a natural slave race, which is why Imperial Japan degradingly called them Chenkoro, which means Qing's slaves, as a racial slur against them. So that is that is the full abridged history of China. Uh, by the time the Mongols showed up, the original Chinese did not exist anymore. They had been completely race race mixed out of existence at least two hundred years before the first Mongol even showed up. So, but were the Mongols Asian? There's a lot of evidence that says the first the the initial ones weren't. Uh, I don't know much about that. It's not something I've done any real research into, to be completely honest with you. I don't know much about the Mongols. I know some people have done a lot of studies into them, and some people claim that the Mongols were uh, were actually Celtic or that they, they had Celtic roots. I know that there's some evidence to support that since there are there are ancient Chinese mummies of, of, Mongo of Mongols that have green eyes and red hair and appear to be completely European, completely Aryan in, in descent. Uh, I don't. I don't know much about that. Though. Yeah, you know that was that the question Fiorite. That the question Fiorite was also the first question I had. That there are um, 
If I'm not mistaken, Michael Raphael Johnson it is one of the thought leaders in this area that, that the Mongols were actually white people from Central Asia who, who were um, uprising against Russian domination, maybe, and, and went, went on their tear to build their own empire. It would explain uh, inventing things like gunpowder, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, even then, I'm not sure if I'd even be willing to give them credit for that. They invented a formula of exploding powder, but they used it to chase off ghosts. They made they made shitty fireworks out of them and used them to scare ghosts away from their shrines and away from their their fields as farmers. And it was only Europeans who realized what they'd actually found, refined the formula, and then turned it into a weapon and a tool for for mining and industry. I mean, they well, you said. Um, sorry, to cut you off. But you said that uh, red hair, green eyes. That's uh, I've heard that Genghis Khan was said to have had red hair and green eyes. I don't know if that's true. Or I, I haven't heard that claim. Like I said, I'm I'm not well versed on on the Mongols, and I I don't have a lot of interaction with the with the with the Dr. Matthew Raphael Johnson side of things where he he makes those arguments. I'm not familiar with it. So yeah, I, I didn't hear that from him, but um, he he mentioned that the Mongol the name to the Russians meant great, meaning great power, like a great army, and that that's what Mongol meant. I don't know. Well, that is his that is his area of expertise. So in that regard, I defer to him if, if he makes that claim. I would assume he is correct. Yeah, on the, uh, on the question and answer site, Quora, they have an article on here about uh, why did Genghis Khan have uh, red hair and green eyes. And um, the post here is talking about how um, some believe that he was Scythian, who was a Eurasian uh, between the 9th and the uh, 1st B.C., and it talks about blue eyes, red hair in, in this article. Yeah. But I appreciate I, I appreciate Matthew Raphael Johnson's work on Eastern Europe and 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 Russia, medieval Russia, but he sucks on the Bible. Yeah, and he sucks on European history too, since he's said uh rather rather unironically before on one of his podcasts i'll have to try and find the one where he said this he has claimed that uh the the chinese communist party is in fact national socialist which is laughable to anyone who knows anything about uh the nsdap and national socialism in general they they are not national socialists so he like most academics he's very good in his field and he's terrible outside of it does anyone know uh, any good podcasts on the Jews in China? Because apparently they've got several organizations and synagogues there. Yeah, they do. And they also have a history with the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party was founded by Jews, which probably shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who knows that communism is a Jewish invention. I don't know if there's any good podcasts about it. There may be one on Sven's site uh, on Radio Albion. He may have some stuff up in the archives. Yeah, I've never covered it. Since I'm not doing anything right now, I'll look it up and see if he does have something. Yeah, they were in China a long time before World War II. No, no, they were in China with the Jesuits in the in the 14th century, but they got thrown out. Yeah, and they also had the uh, 
the Jewish Autonomous Oblast, which was a part of uh, China that was purchased by Russia. And then around the time of the Bolshevik Revolution, they tried to move Jews, uh, like uh, Jews out there, you know, to that that would be like the new homeland instead of going back to Palestine. But I guess it didn't really fully work out. It, it still yeah. exists. But yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And the uh, the Jewish Communist Revolution um, was actually kicked off uh, by Sun Yat-sen, who was a dissident living in Alberta, Canada, running a, a Chinese. Uh, it was either like a Chinese takeout or a Chinese uh, dry cleaners or something. Oh, really? And yeah, and he um, was financed and backed by Morris Two Guns Cohen, who uh, they uh, they basically you know they they went back with uh, with trunk loads of cash and and uh, formed armies and, and kicked off the uh, communist revolution. So working in a Canadian laundry mat definitely qualifies you for that, right? <laughs> well, apparently he was um he was he <coughs> but and I think he might have even gone to a like a Jesuit school. But that he toppled over some statues and uh that were um Either had something to do with the the Manchurians or something. But the uh, uh, whoever the monarchy was at that time, and uh, yeah, he had to leave. He went to um to Alberta, Canada. Yeah, but there were um there were Jews, uh, like Tasher said, that were uh, top advisors to the uh, um to you know the chairman and and also uh, the the Politburo, just like in Russia. There, there were, Yids. Not the Yids that were on the uh in both the Russia and in China. Uh you can actually find out information about that by funnily enough, the Jews themselves self implicate in this, uh since since they think that everyone think believes that communism good. Uh there's actually an article I just I just looked it up to find it. Uh, there's an article on Haaretz where they've written an entire exposition about all of the Jews that helped Mao with his revolution. Uh, Jacob Rosenfeld, I believe, was one of the biggest ones. Uh, he he helped put everything together, and they even put his name he put his face on some stamps and currency too. So there's actually a a a, a European Jew. His face is on Chinese stamps and money because he helped found the Communist Party. And uh, well, not only, not only that, but also uh, Chiang Kai Shek before before Mao. Yeah, and Sidney Rittenberg as well. Yeah, and and what happened was is that Chiang Kai Shek converted to Christianity and they dropped him. Yeah. Funnily enough, a lot of these Jews who helped uh, who helped found found communism in China were also uh, journalists uh, in America or Europe. Imagine that. Well, look, look at uh, look, look at Lenin and, and um, look at Marx. That they were both in London as journalists. Yeah. Did the That's, Jews? Yeah. Did the Jews start to um, intermarry with the Chinese so that they could infiltrate from the inside and look like them? I mean, some of them are starting to do it now. I'm not sure if they were doing it back then. Well, you know, it's another thing that's interesting is that you know how how they've always been called Orientals. And that they were that that the Jews were known for wearing caftans. 
Wasn't there a, a, a Jewish family in, in China in like the 1700s or something? There were traders and they made a, a ton of money. I can't remember the name of them. Oh, you're talking about the uh, Sassoons? The, the drug, yeah, the, the drug dealers. So, uh, yeah, it was David Sassoon was in, uh, he was kicked out of India because he was in, involved in the drug trade there. And he went to China. And he was the one who uh, basically had the backing of uh, of the British government and they the whole opium trade. That's basically what you know the uh, Dutch East India Company. You know, that was like one one of their their main staples. Yeah, and they and Sassoon was also uh, I, I believe I think you may have implied this, but he was behind the opium wars. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you know what's interesting is, is how they, uh, during the Boxer Rebellion, the way that they, they took care of the drug problem, they they took all the drug dealers and all the drug users, they went up against the wall, and they just shot them all. Problem solved. Yeah, and I mean, and that's... I mean, the, same, the same thing to this day, right? But you, that, that's what they do. Yeah, they I mean, them. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's how Duarte is doing it in... Uh... In the Philippines, yep. right? He's just he, he just says, "I'm not going to tolerate anymore. If you're caught dealing drugs, we're going to fucking kill you. You will be executed yeah. on the spot. Yeah. There will be no trial. You will just be shot." And it stopped, right? Imagine yeah, that. The only problem with with Duarte is that he's that he's you know basically he soft on uh, on, uh, on uh, Islam. Yeah, he's soft on Islam, and he also is soft on, on fags and trannies and stuff. But I mean, he's 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 a weird Filipino monkey. He can only do so much. <laughs> but that is the correct so, way to deal with it, right? When when they when they when they threw the Sassoons out and they got rid of all the stuff during the Opium Wars, they just killed everyone who was dealing with it and they burned it all in the harbor. And that's the right way to do it. Yeah, then the British then the British troops came in. But um, yes, the uh, another interesting thing you brought up now was that. Um, so Eli Yale was uh, one of the principals of the Dutch East India Company and uh, was um, was begging the uh, opium trade. And he actually uh, helped to build uh, Jesuit schools in, in China. And Mao actually was an alumnus of one of those schools. It's almost like he was picked, right? Yeah. Well, the Jesuits are heavily infiltrated by the small hats anyway, aren't they? Yeah, the, well, the Jesuits were started by Loyola Ignatius, who uh, he was actually supposed to be go before an, um, an Inquisition board because he was a member of the uh, of the Alambrados in in, uh, in Spain. <clears throat> yeah, wasn't Which he? Like, I'm sorry. Wasn't he a Spanish converso Jew? Wasn't he a converso Catholic Jew? Yeah, that's what. It's, yeah, basically, that's what it sounds like. And then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is the Jesuits are essentially they're a Catholic organization, but they were made by Catholic Verso Jews because, of course, all of the Jews. That's what the Inquisition was about, by the way. Is after after the the massive war that no one ever talks about, where Spain basically were fighting in their own backyards to kill Muslims that were raping their daughters and dragging their sons off into slavery. That how long did that war last? It was like two hundred and fifty, three hundred years before they finally got rid of them all. 
uh, and then they they founded the Inquisition because the Jews were infamous for uh, for having been gate openers, right, and traitors, and selling people out to the to the Muslims and helping the Muslims. So they said, well, we're gonna get rid of the Jews too because you helped them. And then all of the Jews started converting to Catholicism and saying, no, 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 we're we're good Catholics. And the, and the Catholic Spaniards didn't buy it. So that's what the Inquisition was: is it was going around trying to find out who was a true Spaniard Spanish Catholic and who was just a liar pretending to be one. Right. You know what's interesting was that the there, there were actually Muslim raids by Barbary pirates on the southeast coast of Ireland. Well, yes. And that in, that they were actually helped being financed by Jews who were in the Netherlands because uh, yeah because you know the Netherlands was part of the, the Spanish Empire. Yeah, and I believe I believe Bill one of Bill's podcasts that he did where he touches on on the reason why he considers all Mexicans Arabs, which is correct. They are. Um, is uh, is it t- touches on the tail end of that, which is all of all of these converso Catholic Jews fled the Inquisition uh, and and fled to the New World. They fled to the Caribbean. They ran to like the Bahamas. They ran to you know Mexico and and the the Gulf so, area, Brazil. which is why Mexico is full of Jews, which is weird. But it makes sense. And they stuck their dicks in squat monsters. And I actually, when I did the Arab question, I think it was six or seven parts. I don't remember. I actually lost about half of my listeners. And I don't give a fuck. They probably, <laughs> they, they probably didn't, that they probably shouldn't have been here in the first place. Well, I mean, it's true. And I've, I've, uh, as I've said before, I always I follow history to try and build a coherent timeline of events, and it's important to remember that the the Inquisition was a direct result of the Arab a- attempt to conquer uh, the Mediterranean, right? And then the as a direct result of the Inquisition, Mexico is full of fucking Jews, right? That's where all of the converso the converso Jews fled to because they were getting dragged out in the streets and lynched because they were the ones who were pointing out all of all of the especially cute blue eyed you know Spanish girls to the Arabs saying hey take that one she lives over there she's a virgin right take her away I'll give me a finder's fee for it they they lynched those sons of bitches whenever they could get their hands on them after the war was over and they ran right that's why they're all in the Caribbean to begin with it's 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 just one it's it's one long coherent story but no one ever really bothers to tell the whole thing right don't people only talk about it in pieces well, well conquistadors were guided by kikes the fucking pirates were all kikes and and as soon as the kikes got over here and and escaped the inquisition they started sticking their dicks in the squat monsters right away they started race mixing with the fucking squat monsters and and created what we know as Brazilians and Mexicans and and all these bastard races, and and if I lost half my listeners, I don't give a fuck. They deserve to be where they are. Let them go swap spit with fucking Mexicans. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, and and you can see the fruits of that. You can even see the fruits of that in like the reactionary right and the alt right today, because the these these groups of people are full of people like Nick Fuentes, who's like, yeah, I'm gay, and yeah, I'm kind of Jewish, but I'm also a nationalist. You should let me in. It's like, no. You well, white, well, gentlemen, gen- gentlemen, this is a podcast, and I'd like to. <laughs> it, it's been just over three hours. I'd like to. Give it- and I would like to give it some closure. 
And and I I just hope that if anybody listens to all three hours, that they get an idea of the, the brand of Christian identity, which is what which results from Christogenia and and what we think and what we feel and 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 about things in life going on today that that should be important to us and and that's all i could say i mean we can only get so much out of this open conversation type of format but i hope they take that away with them well it's been fun amen it's been great yeah it's it's been a long but entertaining evening well, well, Yahweh bless y'all, and, and we don't have to end the conversation, but I'm going to end the podcast and just hope that the, the people that come across this and listen to it get an idea of what we're about and, and how we try to apply it in, in our fucked up daily lives. That, that's all I can say, right? Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Will this be, will this be uh, a semi-regular thing, Bill? I, I might do this again in December, I think, right around the 12th, right, right, around, right around my birthday, which will also be about 12 years of, of my doing podcasts. Praise Yahweh. Thank you, guys. And, and I appreciate And ladies, I, I appreciate y'all. Praise Yahweh. And good night.